This week on Out Now with Ernie and Andy, we're doing a summer catch-up show. Ready or not, here comes August. Ready or not, refugees take you over. The Buffalo Soldier, dreadlock roster. On the 12th hour, fly by in my bomber. Who's run for cover, now they under pushing up flowers. Super fly, true lies, do or die. Toss me high, only for fly with my crew from like high. I, refugee from Guantanamo Bay. Dance around the border like I'm Cassius Clay. Ready or not. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and always, as always, this is... Abe, hello. Good, uh, good little uh, divot there. What happened was I slipped on a rug, but I caught myself. Aha! That's what I did. Magic carpet, got it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Billion dollars worth of magic carpet rides. That's what I'm saying. Out now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then I have to like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is something completely different. This is our uh, this is a new bonus episode here. We have a it's what I'm calling Ready or Not. Here comes August. Where we we're don't... at the tail end of August. <laughs> so here it comes. Ready? <laughs> you better be ready then. <laughs> but uh, Abe and I, we, we've we've seen a number of things here, and we have a guest that's also seen a number of things. But we figured let's just let's let's do some catch up. There's some there's some movies we've seen recently. There's some trailers that have come out. There's mm-hmm. some news that's hit the webs. So here, why not just go over all that before we kind of wrap up the summer next week of our eighth annual summer gamble results show, uh, which right. is going to be all kinds of fun. So. Uh, before we get to all that, let's get to our guest. Now, from Why So Blue, he studied his crossbow YouTube videos, and he's ready to play. It's Peter Paris. Hey, hey everybody. Hey, Peter. Peter, What's up? how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I had kind of a lazy weekend. Um, it's getting a little hot in L.A. right now, but, uh, but overall, uh, good. Good time to catch up on um, like just so many things. And, of course... Even though this is a movie podcast, I'm sure you're all very excited about the new Taylor Swift album, as I am. Although I'm being serious. Um, but uh, hey, And if you want to review it, let us know. Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, actually, I've only listened to about half of it. Uh, I like it so far. <laughs> there you go. You've listened and to that half of this album? With Aaron Dave's music corner. <laughs> is, right. <laughs> is this a long album? It's her longest. It's 18 tracks. It's the longest thing she's ever done. So, but you're right. No, technically, I could have finished it by now. I just, I'm one of those people who I don't know. No, you got to sip and savor these things. I'm a, I'm the kind of person who, um, when I'm traveling to work, I will put an album on and I listen to as much as I listen to, and then when I get back, I start from the beginning again. So I'm not, I don't necessarily go, oh. I have five tracks. Like I, for some reason, I like starting from the beginning again. Does that make sense? So sometimes that means I've seen, I've listened to the first three or four tracks a million times before I get to the end. I I know what you mean. I know. I I can understand what you mean there. I can appreciate the storytelling a musician is giving. So you kind of have to appreciate it from start to finish all over again. I get it. Exactly. Um, So so yeah, but yeah, been good, and I am very happy to be uh, writing for Why So Blues, and I finally have, besides my own Twitter handle and stuff, I finally have something that can call to my writing, which is nice. Yeah, there you, you go. You can put those important thoughts out there about the, uh, about uh, uh, 47 meters down on caged. Like, you know, the people have to know. That's what I'm saying. I, I did. And then my boss came into work and he had seen it. And he was like, it was uh, not very good. I was like, I know it's, that's what I said. So. Mm. Okay. Well, well great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let's get into some show notes real quick. First up, Summer Gamble, I've already alluded to it. Next week is our results show. We will be going over what movies were the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic box office. Peter's kind of some them. surprises, kind of some not surprises. Exactly. We'll go over all of those. And Peter, he's among the many guests that we have that have all submit their own submitted their own lists. And uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Uh, there, there's. <laughs> I'm excited to add up all these scores. Mainly to see who came in last, because that's the most fun, obviously. But uh, we'll, we'll get to all that. Mon, not me. Probably not. <laughs> all right. Well, I've been keeping tabs. Yeah. Uh, let's see. New commentary track. We put up a commentary track for The Iron Giant for this month in honor of its great 20th movie. anniversary. Yeah, it is a great movie. And uh, what, Brandon is Peters it? and Yancey Jack, <laughs> Yancey Burns, he, he joined us for that, for, those, for that commentary track. It was a lot of fun. It's up there now. Yeah. Uh, let's, we even talk about how Peter's wrong about not watching it again to realize how great it is. It's it's a, Whoa. <laughs> it's a good track. That's a, a, a shot at you, Peter. I I liked it okay. I, I just don't love it like everybody. Like I'm sure it's great. I Wait, just for some reason don't love it. You've, like, seen it I, you've seen it how many times? I saw it once on DVD. Like so, like I yeah, it was not the best setting. So right. I'm mean, okay. I mean, you know, maybe it'll grow on you. But if you don't like it, you don't like it. I can't blame I do, you. I I do like Brad Bird. I mean, so I, I love Ghost Protocol. I love Incredibles. You don't so like uh, you don't like squirrels down people's pants. <laughs> Is that the Iron? <laughs> That's Giant? what uh, happens to Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> Wait, what? See, when he's only seen the movie once, it's really uh, not going to help to mention very specific parts uh, of the movie. Uh, yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted the ultra-specific reference. Wait, is Harry Potter Jr., is he the bad guy? Because there's oh. that... Oh, oh my Donald's gosh, Peter. Guy. We're, we're going to have to like go on a tangent here now. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, Harry Potter Jr. is the cool guy in the movie. <laughs> well, there's the kid, the robot, and then there's like the jerk G-Man guy that wants to take them out. That, that's all I remember. There's Harry yeah. Connick Jr. is the he owns the like trash place where the robot the hides. artist yeah uh. he's an artist who makes tra- stuff out of trash but he also owns a trash heap so yeah the robot hide it's a robot like <laughs> well he has, <laughs> to, he has to hide is... somewhere he he hides here the, is this movie they're in ninety nine it's a twenty anniversary yeah oh that's probably why because I moved to L A in two thousand. And so and robots yeah, weren't cool back some, then. It so. might have just for some reason I I missed while I was like getting ready to get married and everything. Like so yeah. That and then I remember thinking I got it on DVD and I watched it with my then wife in the early two thousands and I remember being like, Yeah, it's all right. Well, the like, movie, the so. movie famously flopped, so not many people saw it at all, Peter. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Wait, right? it flopped? It's a giant flop, yes. Did not do well in the theaters. Yeah. But it's beloved. Yes, it, loved it grew yeah. over time because everyone realized, oh, if only Warner Brothers actually marketed this movie, we'd be able to see it and realize it at its time that it was a great movie. This is Vin Diesel doing one-word lines before he became Groot. Wait, he's in it too? Oh yes. my god, Peter! <laughs> we need to move on. Wow. <laughs> Peter. I like when yeah, Peter yeah. sounds like Brendan Fraser in Blast from the Past, also celebrating his 20th anniversary this year. It's a Wait, fun movie. So I'm not gonna be able to watch it. I just realized because of what you said, I am not gonna be able to watch it in November on Disney Plus because it's a Warner Brothers movie. So I'm not gonna be able to. I was thinking, I was like, oh, I'll watch it on Disney Plus. I guess I'll just bring this movie next time we go to a screen. <laughs> <laughs> I just give him a copy of this it. This is such a long show notes segment, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> plug for our commentary. Yeah. If you want to get more of this, these these wacky antics involving Peter's ignorance on certain topics, like what movies Vin Diesel started in before Pitch Black, uh, you can go to iTunes and search for our show. Give us a rating and review. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you in advance. Yeah. 
Actually, you know what? We got a new review. I forgot to mention this. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you didn't text me? I did not text. I forgot to mention this to you. Yes, we got a new, we got a, we got a new uh, iTunes review. I'm going to pull it up right now as you hear the, uh, the cricket that hear I just the, said to my yeah, tarantula. Uh, <laughs> Crickets are back. They, they do love being fed. Mm-hmm. Here we and go. just this, like. This review comes from Mattius Goodmanius. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling I know who that is. Um, he writes, been listening since the start. Love their Once Upon a Time in Hollywood review. There you Five go. Stars. Love it. Thank you so much, Mattias Goodmanius. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of feel like I know who that is, but maybe not. Not sure. <laughs> but uh, Also, he used a semicolon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, thank you for that. But yeah, thanks for that review. Uh, let's see. I think that's it for show notes. Let's move on now. Let's, um, as I said, this is kind of a catch-up show. We're just kind of going to move through some stuff here. So let's, we're going to go to some trailers. So we got a, we got a few new trailers this week. And I wanted to bring up one specifically because Abe and I are big fans of the film The Signal. From, right, uh, 2014, um, the, which uh, it's was it directed by uh, William Eubank, I believe is the name. Yes, the name? that's correct. Yeah. yeah, we were able I'm to interview. Also, and of the signal. Oh yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's really good. It's a good movie. Uh, but yeah, we were able to interview the writers uh, of the signal, and uh, now we have a new film from the same director, from William Eubank, as I mentioned, called Underwater. Uh, this is the new film uh, arriving in January, uh, starring. On my birthday. It is. Oh, it's on your birthday. Okay. Yeah, uh, January 10th. So, all right. Sorry. Well, it stars, among other people, we have Kristen Stewart, Vincent Cassell, John Gallagher Jr., and T.J. Miller. Um, so, uh, so it makes you wonder when this was filmed. Multiple years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the, the basic premise is that there's a crew of underwater researchers. Something happens that ruins their kind of laboratory, and they have to traverse underwater to safety. Um, honestly, I didn't watch the entire, I watched like a minute and a half and I was what? like, I get the idea and I don't want to see any more monster stuff. That's fine. That's fair. So, uh, so I just kind of stopped there at the same time looking into it. I was like, Oh, it's a new William Eubank movie. <laughs> like, we like, really like the signal. He saw his follow up finally. So from my standpoint, I'm like, the premise is cool enough. It seems like it's taking some, you know, ideas that we've seen before, but it's doing it in, you know, its own way or what have you. And yeah, they're underwater. That's that's neat enough. Sure, let's see what happens. But uh, Peter, how about you? Where are you on this on this trailer? Well, for underwater? I, when I saw the trailer, I didn't know it was the guy who did the signal. And then, like, I read somewhere later that I was like, "Oh, it's a signal guy." I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to tell from the trailer that it's the same guy who did this. The signal. Well, what I liked about the signal was it was one of those like, you know, kind of. Uh, high concept sci-fi indie kind of movies. It's not, you know, it's not very long. It's, it's moderately budgeted or low budget. Like this obviously is huge. Like and it's getting a big Fox logo in the opening. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, I love um, what I call these kind of like, I don't know, the thing. Is that the template for these? It's basically a bunch of people in one location. Yeah, and stuff oh, I see happens. what you're saying. It's, like a, you're it's saying. like a chamber yeah. drama, but horror. Right. So, I mean, like, The Thing is probably my favorite. John Carpenter's Thing is probably, I think, the best one. But there's still a lot that I, like, I mean, there's a lot of bad ones. Uh, Sphere and eh, I'm kind of okay on Urban Horizon. But 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 I'm I'm still a fan of those. So, mm-hmm. plus, I'm, I'll say this. I'm way curious. I'm way more curious about this, also because it, it is uh, William Eubank, than I am uh, Charlie's Angels. I mean, these are both... Oh, as far as big, Kristen Stewart starring right, in big budget budgeted, movies? You mean short hair Kristen Stewart? <laughs> yes, also short hair Kristen Stewart. Like, I really like Kristen Stewart. I think yeah. that... Um, I think she's... Yeah, I think she's really terrific. So, 
I'm curious because I was like, oh, her doing a big budget movie. But yeah, I thought Charlie's Angels looked okay. But this, I was like, oh yeah, like this is right up my alley. This is the totally type of movie I would want to see. Um, and I like T.J. Miller. I mean, obviously beyond his personal life and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I've always liked him as a as a presence, like an actor and stuff. Sure, so. sure. Um, and Vincent Cassell, of course, Flex. I mean, he's great. So yeah, yeah, I'm 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 all on board. John Looks Gallagher like. Jr. hopefully playing a reprisal of his same character in 10 Cloverfield Lane as far as chamber, <laughs> as far as chamber horror dramas go. John, is that going to be dissolved in acid? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the news is he the newsroom guy? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's also he's also a, a, a short term 12 guy, so you know that that yeah. train is still rolling. I love short term 12, but I'm so well, happy. Yeah, all those actors from short term 12 killing it. And that's the guy who's doing uh Shang Chi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I, he's I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just, by Daniel the way, Craig. does uh, does uh, what's her face from Room? Does she have an Academy Award? Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Yeah. Yes, she has an Academy Award. Yeah. For, for oh. Room. Yeah. Yes, for Room. Okay. Cool. So basically, all those guys. I mean, that's two Academy Award winners in that movie: Rami Malek and Brie Larson. Church from Twelve. Yeah. You're uh, you're up, Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, he's got that Ryan Johnson movie coming out. Looks great. Right, and what's her name was in Booksmart? Is that Caitlin? Uh, Caitlin Deaver? She was great. In She's movie. great. Like, yeah, there are a lot. You're right. There are a lot of people who came from that movie, or yeah. like, were in that. Yeah, really talented. I say that Aaron and A were on that one pretty pretty early. We yeah. that movie. Um, but yeah, but I thought Underwater. I think it looks yeah, it's solid. Like, I mean, also you know, as Aaron always says, I mean, it's like a it is a January release. You know, January February is not. Sometimes you get some like, oh, this is a pretty good genre film, but. Eh, a lot of times January, February is not really a great, great period for new releases. What's weird is like, we've talked about that in the past, too. And, and with so many movies coming out, it seems as though the January time frame or even like August time frame, sometimes there's actual just real gems there. I mean, for sure. in the past two years, we've had two Paddington movies come out in January. Those are excellent movies. I mean, Wait, those were January? Yeah, but that's not a result of like we have no else to do with it. Sure, that's sure. More, yeah, that's yeah. more of. Weinstein's company caved in, so we can't do anything else of this right now. Or and they're also imports; they're UK releases. Like it's still great movies in January. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Sure, but sure. yeah, <laughs> but it, those feel those are more victim of circumstance. Where this feels like, if they especially since they shot it a while ago, could thought, just be a dumping ground. It yeah. could be. So yeah, we'll see. I know hey, you. hey, where are you at at this? We, as far we... as the trailer goes, I I like the trailer. I mean, I like the way that it's set up. It's a pretty simple premise, like what you guys are saying. It's kind of like a bottle film. Um, they're just at the bottom of the ocean and something goes awry. Um, what I was waiting for and what it did, I'd gotten spades in this is as much as I like, um, you know, uh, William Eubank, what I like about his style is that he uses phantom cameras and he uses like a lot of, uh, uh, like ultra slow-mo stuff. So there was some beautiful stuff in here, much the same way that there was in the signal. And I was a huge fan of that. And, I was kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop as well in terms of he likes to do things that are a little bit outside of the realm of norm uh, of norms. So the other one was this kind of like this weird space adventure, like alien and space adventure. This one's now at the bottom of the ocean with maybe some mysterious creatures or mysterious things going on. And I'm curious to see how it's going to go. I mean, I, I think that one of the criticisms, if there are any, that I would say about um, the his movies, I haven't seen Love, but... Um, it's that the third act kind of maybe goes a little bit different from what you would expect, and it may. It, I think we talked about this with the signal. Um, if it had ended maybe like just like forty seconds earlier, it would have been like, "Whoa, this is a really like crazy movie." I don't know what I'm seeing here, but it's really super solid. So we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to 
to see uh, this movie, and I'm, I'm excited for his uh, his follow up. Well, it comes out January 10th, so we'll uh, see what happens. There you go. Um, a couple other trailers I wanted to get to. There are this one I found interesting because there are two trailers. It's for Marriage Story. This is the new mm-hmm. Noah, Noah Baumbach film, which is coming to Netflix, but it's also going to be touring festivals. So it's like right. one of the prestige Netflix movies, essentially. Um, it stars Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, Laura Dern, Alan Alda, and Ray Liotta, among others. Yeah. And there are so there as I mentioned, there are two trailers for this. And since the the movie's about a man and wife who are struggling and lead, it leads to divorce, you get two different perspectives, one that's narrated by Scarlett Johansson talking about Adam Driver and one that's narrated by Adam Driver talking about Scarlett Johansson's character. Right. And I found that to be a neat approach, for one thing, especially for its... Since it's like Netflix, it's like, how much promotion do you really need to do via trailers? And yet, they, you know, that that seems like there's some kind of initiative there as far as like, we need to get the word out on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, it's a new Noah Baumbach film. Uh, I... I pr- I'm not going to say I'm hot or cold, because I think I like most of his movies. I do think he has a very acerbic style that can sometimes rub me the wrong way, and certainly rubs some audiences the wrong way. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there, I really liked what he did with his last film, uh, The Meyerowitz uh, Stories? Stories. 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 Yeah, yeah. with uh, Ben Stiller, Adam, Adam Sandler, among others. Um, I liked what he was doing there, and mm-hmm. I, I hope that, and from everything I've heard buzz-wise, it seems like he's kind of going to keep falling through as far as making something that kind of really works on a, a grander level than just look at this little indie comedy kind of thing. So I, I, I'm looking forward to this, but hey, yeah. are you? I'm also looking forward to it. I saw the first, or I saw the Adam Driver trailer voiced by Scarlett Johansson first, and uh, I immediately, you know, fell in love with it. I and mean, knowing Noah Baumbach, the way that he shoots his films and the way, the stories that he usually delves into, a lot of it deals with divorce and uh, kind of like, I guess, upset marriages. Um, I wasn't surprised that this one was, is going where it's going, but the way that he writes his stuff too is it's very um, seemingly like almost seemingly true to life. Sometimes it's a little bit hyperbolic, but still I, I think back to the way that uh, Jesse Eisenberg is, is so defensive you know, during marriage camp or not marriage counseling, but just counseling in general in uh, the, the squid and the whale. Um, and the way that he writes like, uh, uh, who is what Jeff Bridges is that Jeff Bridges is, father. yeah Jeff Bridges is father but the way that he writes his dialogue in that movie is like man this is so it's it's a uh, it's very well done so I'm curious to see how this one goes I remember seeing the tweet from Alan Alda that said that he really enjoyed working with uh, Adam Driver and I was like wow that's good to hear I mean Sam Driver is a pretty solid actor uh, but you know getting praise from one of like the the uh, what is now I guess deemed like one of the, the senior upperclassmen kind of guys. That, that's pretty uh, tremendous. So I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, Ten and years ago, Alan Alda was still like one of the kids, but now. Totally, yeah. That guy <laughs> so young. I mean, like, what? Nash was like, what, five years ago? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, with, I remember watching MASH, uh, the latest MASH on my DVR, and man, just you got some zingers in that. Classic. <laughs> I mean, the CGI was incredible there. They just really looked like they were really in Korea. Yeah, his but... bit on smartphones, classic. <laughs> And I will say that the dramatic arc from um, – I'm blanking her name, but – Johansson? Yeah, Scarlett Johansson. I'm a big fan of when uh, character or actor show range. And so you know, her having done all this Black Widow stuff and then now she's doing this dramatic piece. I mean she's done stuff like this before with either her voice and her or whatever else. But I am uh, excited to see how this one goes, and I'm kind of – yeah, you know, gonna be I'm gonna be bracing myself for maybe a bummer of a story, but still I'm gonna be looking forward to the acting and the direction. What I'm hoping for is that you know ScarJo uses what she, 
uses what she's learned from this Noah Baumbach movie into the inevitable Ghost in the Shell sequel that I will never <laughs> see, that will never be made. Uh, but um, I agree, though. I, I I agree with Aaron. I thought the the idea of of doing the two trailers, I was like, oh, that's really clever. <laughs> I was like, that's a great idea for one of these kind of movies. Um, and I also liked. Um, I mean, I think I pretty much like all of Bombax Scream. Yeah, I think I I think I like all his work. Yeah, uh, man. I you know, twenty. I get him confused with who is Margaret. That's Mar- um. Fr- that's the same as um. Manchester by the Sea. Uh, Kenneth Longer, Dick Cannon. <laughs> is that, is that Kenneth can, Longer, Longer Man? Yeah. Is that you can count on me too? Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, for some reason, get these two directors. They're not. I don't, they're not exact. Maybe it's just they work with like a lot of at the time kind of like well-regarded indie indie kind of actors in the early 2000s or something. Yeah, it's a mix of that. Like they're they have a similar kind of tone. They're both New York guys. Like the yeah, I can. He, I mean, Longerman is. He's more. He's a playwright first. I mean, yeah, he's more of a stage guy. Bomb Bombuck is. He's a, I mean, he's a writer essentially and filmmaker. But I, I thought the interesting thing. I the the one thing I noticed. Look, I only watched the trailers once for Marriage Story. They they have things where they're they're basically describing what they like about their partner. They both say they're competitive, which I thought was interesting. I was like, hmm. I was like, what? Why is that line repeated? Because other ones aren't. Where it's like, I think. With Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver is like, oh, is it like she's really funny or something like that? It's like that's not the description that Driver's character gets. But they both get the competitive line. And I was like, oh, like, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm totally down for it. Like, um, although I did think it was also interesting that they did not have a release date at the end. Well, it's not. I mean, it's touring festivals and stuff. It will be like November or December. Award season. Yeah. Did they have dual trailers for the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby? I was gonna mention that actually. I don't. I I can't. Uh, I can assume they probably did, but I mean the trailers here. You're talking to so those that don't quite remember, don't know the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. That was with uh, what James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain. Yep. And there's, it's a it's a product of the Weinstein edit, right? That was the that was the thing where it's it's a movie. I mean, there's such, three different cuts of the movie, right? Yeah, but I believe like the original cut was just them just like their whole story together but there's also two separate versions of the movie ones that's one that's told entirely from the side of chastain one that's told entirely from the side of pennywise i mean james mcavoy and um (laughs) and then but there is like a full version that's like i imagine like like two hour two and a half hours something like that where it's but yeah they released it in theaters separately is uh what this version of eleanor rigby him and disappearance her and I'd imagine yeah, there had to be probably two trailers. If I, I don't know. Mm. I'd, have to, I'd have to look yeah. into that. I'd have to look into it, too. The benefit but... here is that there's only two trailers, only one movie. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And did you guys see both of the... Or I guess... Did you guys see both in theaters for uh, Rigby, Eleanor Rigby? I, I got the Blu-ray to review, and I believe I watched both of them, but I didn't watch them. Like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Together cut. Yeah. But it but it has all three cuts, which is good for a Blu-ray release. You know, it's good to have. That'd be annoying if they released it like separately or what have you. Yeah. But it's I like also, a... I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the movie, and I cannot remember very much about it. So I think that <laughs> might tell you a little bit about how anxious I am to revisit this movie. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, Peter, Marriage Story arrives sometime this award season. I'm assuming. I, th- I believe it's November. Um, if I had to guess, that makes sense to me. Um, next thing we'll get up here is uh, the Mandalorian. This is the upcoming web series, streaming series from Disney Plus. 
which uh, is set to open on November 12th and putting out a deluge of content. Uh, but this Mandalorian series uh, is focused on a bounty hunter existing in the time between Empire and like the now time of the new order time of uh of uh, of star wars uh it stars pedro pascal as said mandalorian it also features a number of other people including gina carano nick nolte giancarlo esposito and carl weathers and warner herzog <laughs> i know i was, I was, I was like how could you leave out the guy who's like yeah i'm, most I'm sorry by... I, I, it was it's so awesome that he just shows yeah. up to like do more jack 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 uh jack, jack reacher stuff yeah <laughs> that uh, I'm all I'm into that, but yeah. Well, the, uh, when his line comes out, he's got two lines, and I was like, "Is that Werner Herzog?" <laughs> and then they cut to a visual, and I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> the, I was um, excited before. Now I'm really excited. <laughs> there's a lot of talent behind the camera. John Favreau was like the showrunner on this series, and he's written multiple episodes. Dave Filoni, who's directed a number of the, or he's a big spearhead behind the animated Star Wars shows that have taken off. He's behind some of these. Uh, Taika Waititi's involved in the uh, director's chair. Rick Famuyiwa of Dope fame, he's involved here. Bryce Dallas Howard directed one of the episodes. So yeah. there's, uh, and what's his name? Um, what? Ludwig, yeah. Oh, uh, cool. Ludwig Goransson, um, for the, the composer behind Black, the Academy Award-winning Black Panther. He's doing the music for the series. So uh, clearly Disney's like, we got to spend some money on our fancy Star Wars live action oh, series. Buddy. And so now we have a trailer. Um <laughs> I, I watched this multiple times, mainly because that shot of the Mandalorian, um, like, zip, like, uh, uh, grappling, hooking the one guy and pulling, Ooh, like through, the, and pulling yeah. him through the door, and then the yeah. door closes yeah. on him. That made Please. me laugh, yeah. like, in a, like, oh my god, this looks really cool kind of way. And I don't get that very often, so I was right. very, especially for, like, a Disney Plus Star Wars series, I was like, oh, this, that's gritty. I'm into this. I'm into whatever this is. So I, I, um... I, I'm excited to see. Like before, I was just like, "Okay, cool, they're making a essentially Boba Fett TV show," and I'm all about my Boba Fett. But at the same time, it's like, "What's this going to be?" Now that I've seen like what they're doing with this, I'm into it. I'm I'm down to watch this series right away. So that's that's where I'm at. But Peter, how about you? No, I no, I agree. It's funny because I feel like um, I'm not a huge fan of Rogue One. I thought Solo was okay. Like I like the cast and stuff. But it's funny because when the Mandalorian trailer starts, a lot of the shots, they feel closer to the a Star Wars story than they do Star Wars, the saga. And I don't just mean because there aren't major characters are in it. But I got to say, yeah, as a knowing that that's a TV show, an eight or a 10 episode thing. Um, yeah, no, I I think the look was good. I love seeing I love Herzog. Like what he's saying. I am uh, if if I can be the. um not a Debbie Downer or whatever, but I am a little, I am still a little cautious that we have not seen the Mandalorian talk that I'm kind of like, they're really still pushing guy in helmet thing. And I was like, eh. but, but, but beyond that, uh, yeah, no, I thought it looked, especially considering it's a, I mean, like you said, Disney puts, must put a lot of money into it. I mean, knowing that's a, it, it's, I mean, it looks basically like a star Wars movie and the effects look pretty good. It did. Uh -huh. I didn't, there wasn't anything where I was like, oh, that looks cheap. I was like, no, it, it looked good. So, yeah, I'm on board. I mean, we know it's Pedro Pascal. I imagine he's going to have he's gonna have to do something more than move. I mean, right. even, even like... Oh, not showing without the mask in the... Tra I was just, I was surprised. I was like, really? I was like, We're not even going to show Pedro? Like, um, but yeah. Because, like, I mean, I think it's all... I mean, the the Boba Fett fan base, like the Mandalorian, like that, that kind of costuming. I mean, that's 
certainly become a thing for a lot of people. It's kind of a thing for me as far as like how cool that is just on its own. And if they're going to push this kind of Western man with no name vibe, I get it for like a teaser trailer. It's called, it's giving it a level of kind of mystique as far as the Mandalorian. What does that mean? I don't know, but I want to watch this. We'll, we'll learn oh, more about it as we go along, but I'm sure he's going to say something at some point. Was, wait, is uh, Taiki Waikiki, is he IG? Taiki Waikiki. There's a lot, a lot of names in there. <laughs> Taiki, wait, what is his name? Taiki. Taiko Waititi. Taiko Waititi. Waititi. Yeah. Is he the IG-88 thing? But he's not IG-88. He's the voice of IG-11. Yeah, but it's basically, it's the super thin robot. Yeah, it's the the kind of droid that that IG-88 is also a model of. An IG. Yes. Wait, can you know what? Tell me this, because even though I consider myself, um, you know, the Star Wars, the Star Wars film series is Mm -hmm. the most important film series for me, for like my being, you know, growing up and everything. However... Beyond playing a few of the video games, I'm not a big um, I don't read the universe. Yeah, not really and stuff. So refresh my memory if either of you guys. So man, so, probably know the answer to this. <laughs> Mandalorian is okay. So they're bounty hunters, but now, bounty hunters don't all wear the same outfits. Boba mm-hmm. Fett, Jango Fett have that outfit. So is Mandalorian a bounty hunter group, and they oh, were the Man- Mandalorian is its own like race, like it's its own oh. thing. Yeah, a Mandalorian is not a bounty hunter. Like Bosk is not a Mandalorian, or what's his name, the guy that wears tissue paper. <laughs> Dengar. <laughs> Dengar is not a is not a Mandalorian. <laughs> so it's not a. It is not like it's not like saying Navy Seal. It's not a code. It's not like a. No, a... it's there. There are a race of people from the planet Mandalore. Ah, okay, yeah. So, well, that we know of, so they're, but they're, they're basically humanoid looking, right? Since, since Attack of the Clones, they look like they're people, they're basically humans. Uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe? Well, oh wait, unless, unless you're saying Jango Fett has the outfit, but he's not Mandalorian. Like, I don't know. We've seen Jango Fett in the prequels and he looks very humanish. No, no, but is he a Mandalorian or is he they, just Yeah, there's there they have a whole thing of Mandalorians in like the Clone Wars cartoons. Gonna, like, yeah. They are they are like humanoid. Like it's they're not it. it's not a it's not a matter yeah, of human features. Yes. They're, they're not they're, they're not, not like wild things. alien things or anything like that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well then again, that's why I was like, why not take the mask off or whatever? But like I see what you're saying about the man with no name thing. I man, I get it i i see i see why yeah i can i at least they have him say one line of dialogue you know like well, they want they want to they want to develop a, a keen interest in it there you go yeah. um but i thought i thought it looked it looks pretty good i mean i am a little disappointed that we got this instead of the star wars trailer that was what they said that they were like they wanted to push this well, and then yeah, they're not gonna well, put a star wars trailer out to overtake have watched that star wars trailer anyway wait what I wouldn't have watched that Star Wars trailer anyway. I'm saving for uh, everything to be on the screen. You would not have watched a new Star Wars trailer? I would not have. Aaron well, knows this. I'll yeah, watch like, the, he, the teaser the and teaser. the first He doesn't one. tend to watch the full trailer. And then I won't watch any other ones because, again, it, it, it helps me out. Because when, uh, when Batman in, in The Dark Knight Rises has his back copter, I was like, whoa! And people were like, that was in the trailer. I was like, I didn't see it. So I, mean, I have a guy at work who's like you who does that. He really tries to stay away from it as much yeah. as he can. Like, well, so. you know, again, I'll, I'll get a flavor for it, but then obviously I won't, I won't watch more of it. So you've seen, so you watched the rise of you watched the rise of Skywalker teaser from last. You saw that one, the one where she's running away from a Tie Fighter. Yes. Yeah. 
I probably won't watch anything else. Uh, I mean, that's like a three minute tra- teaser trailer or it's two not, It's teaser. like a minute and 20 seconds. <laughs> like, Whatever. It's not long. <laughs> <laughs> for me to know what's going on. And I was like, okay, cool. The visuals are here. And I see that. So, well, Aaron, well, were, you, were you, I mean, even though I know we're talking about the Mandalorian, were you kind of bummed that we didn't get a Rise of Skywalker trailer? No, because I'm, you know, I have a memory and I know that every Star Wars movie that's come out in December, you get a trailer in April. Then you get a like a montage reel at the end of summer or around Comic Con, and then you get another trailer during basketball at some point in October. So based off just having a memory and being well, no, smart I... enough about these things, I did not expect one, and I'm not let down because I didn't get one. Okay, you're right about Last Jedi, but when and Force... The Force Awakens, no Force Awakens, yes. we have three trailers. We got we we you did got a get teaser a whole year beforehand. You got yep. a full you got a trailer in April during Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, you got a second trailer around October. Yes, That's, exactly. What did, what did I what did I not say? Well, um, because I guess what I, I guess you also what got I'm a saying, montage well, reel during well, Comic Con. Well, 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 right. But we didn't. But we didn't get anything at Star Wars Celebration this year. So I was thinking. What are you talking about? The teaser came out during Star Wars Celebration. The exact same thing. That oh, I just said. okay. You know what? It, okay, I see what you're saying. So what it is 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 that Force Awakens. The teaser was way early. That's what it was. It was like because it was over a, it was eighteen yeah, months. They gave you like a, that's a teaser, teaser. If anything, that the star, the the other trailer was still like pretty much still a teaser. <laughs> that's why. Okay. Yeah. All right. I because it was more of an event because there hadn't been a Star Wars movie in what like twelve years at that or what 2015? So... Ten years, decade. Hmm. 2005, 2015. Yeah, 2005. Yeah. Okay. So a decade. Uh, so yeah, so, I guess I see what you're saying. I guess yeah. Also, to be yeah. honest. It, and the same with same with Rogue One, and, and uh, same with this movie. It's well, Last Jedi. I will say it's weird to me that as a, I mean, I think we all like Last Jedi. Abe, do you like Last Jedi? Yeah, I love Last Jedi. Okay, I and I've had so many conversations this week. We're, people... we're all on the right side of history. Yeah, we're exactly. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm. We can talk about we can talk about the continued the continuation of just how much people don't like it. But it's like, dude, Ryan Johnson really opened up the doors for more things to happen. And yet people were like, no, we want the same things to happen. It's like, get the F out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> Abe's less of a Star Wars fan than you and I. So like, his, yeah, his, and, his... but I'm super fervent about Last Jedi being one of like one of the best Star Wars. No, but, I, but what I'm saying is you're basically able to cut the bullshit and be like, this is. This oh, yeah, is what totally. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't understand this argument. But Peter, go ahead with yours. With yours. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's just a tiny thing, which was that it's ironic, though, because like I. I and part of it, like Aaron said, it might be because it was ten years. But I watched the Force Awakens, the teaser, the trailer, trailer two. I watched those over and over again. I'm the opposite of you, Abe. I was so excited about seeing Force Awakens. The last Jedi teaser and trailer, I thought they were okay. I was like, eh. I was like, I love the movie, but I thought the trailers were okay. Um, I was like, I don't know why. I would agree. Yeah, I, I would say the trailers, comparatively for Last Jedi, were not as good as the trailers for The Force Awakens. Even Rogue One, I would argue, had also better trailers. It's just better. There was yeah. Im- imagery there that I, yeah, I found agree. to latch on myself onto a lot more easily. Sure. Um, and I also like Rogue One a lot more than you, so I have to, I thought it paid off quite well. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, any thoughts like on Rogue The Mandalorian? I mean, you guys have basically said everything. It's, it's It looks very good, and I'm curious to see how Disney Plus handles it. Um, I know it's going to be they're going to release one a week. It's not going to be like an It's not going to be like a binge oh, thing. Yeah. Ten? 
Oh, well, it, I'm sure that that's better for their their viewing numbers uh, as well. It's better but... for me, so I'm not like sitting here like, oh my god, I can only watch one episode. Everyone's gonna be talking the, about everything yeah, that happened in the Mandalorian until you've seen all of it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is that are we saying that is that something specific to the Mandalorian or are all the shows on all... Disney Plus a weekly show? Really, all the shows. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. good on Disney Plus for oh, having. Oh. That was one of the announcements during this weekend's D23 Disney convention celebration thing yeah, yeah that that the as far as the details for their original streaming series goes they're going to adopt what i believe i believe hulu does the same thing where they release it one at a time as opposed to all in one like netflix and amazon prime well that's hulu, good hulu goes half and half they okay. they they posted all veronica mars at the same time but handmaid's tale is week to week so i don't know what their plan yeah i have no idea why okay. But well, right. I mean, I know, I know, Mandalorian is for sure. I'm pretty sure, but as far as I read it, I believe that's how they're handling it for the most part. If there are other right. shows that probably don't have the same kind of prestige as a new Star Wars TV series, they well, might let me ask you guys this too: How many other uh, live action shows is Disney producing in the Star Wars extended universe? Is this just the the first of many, or are there well, multiple? Speaking of which, the other announcement that D23 made is that they are developing an Obi Wan series starring you. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Did they that's... say what the era? Did they say what the era is? It's, oh, it's just... gonna be it's gonna be set during the same time as Solo, which is between A New Hope and Revenge of the Sith. Oh, right. That's yeah. what I said. Well, sure. like, and here's, I mean, this is what it comes. This is what it is. I mean, you can kind of read between the lines here because Solo didn't do as well as they hoped they did. They they likely pivoted from making a full on Obi Wan movie to making a series instead. This is like whatever that thing, whatever. And like my speculation was, yeah, they're probably going to make Solo. They made Solo and then they're either, they're going to make Obi-Wan a movie and then they're either going to make like a Lando movie or a Boba Fett movie. And then the, there was a Boba Fett movie. And that was what Josh Trank was going to do. And then he like things fell out with that. And Josh Trank of Chronicle and Fast, uh, Fantastic Four fame. And that didn't happen. So they pivoted that thing to become the Mandalorian. Like, so it's not necessarily Boba Fett anymore, uh, but I think a lot of the kind of yeah. same ideas are involved with what they're going to try to do with that movie. And then instead of making an Obi-Wan movie, they're making an Obi-Wan series. And whatever was going on at the end of Solo where Darth Maul walks in, it's going to turn into whatever series that they're going to, like, turn into now. Like, that's... It's, but that's completely no... forgot about that Darth Maul thing, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they're not going to... I can't imagine Donald Glover... I feel like Donald Glover would do a Lando movie. I can't imagine he would do a Lando TV show. I think it comes down to how this show does, how the next movie does, and when Atlanta's filming. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's too famous now. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's making Simba. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to make all three movies. And yeah, there there are two other movies after The Lion King. I mean, because these are limited series, it's not like they're, you know, 24-episode series they need to be done on a yearly basis. I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Glover gets signed up for an eight-episode or six-episode Mandalorian, or, uh, sorry, uh, Lando Calrissian series, in the same way that, like, what, they're doing that Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier series. It's like, But those guys aren't as famous as Donald Glover. I mean, Donald Glover's pretty big. Like, I don't think you can tie him down to... But what I'm saying is tying him down, I mean, six episodes of a Lando show, that's not exactly going to set him back too far, and he's under the Disney umbrella. Six episodes isn't... Wait, wait, do, did they say Obi-Wan is six? Is that what they said? No, but I'm just speculating, you know, six or eight, oh. like, you know. But I, I know the Falcon Winter Soldier thing, that's going to be six. That's why I brought Got it up it. as an example. Is, wait, is, if I'm right, none of the Marvel shows will debut in November, right? Mm, correct? Wait, so why is that? Have, so, we, so we have let the Mandalorian. Think. I gotta look, let me look this up. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure they're not, which I thought was weird. I was like, I know, well, I know Captain Winter, that, that's filming. So if I had to guess, that'd be the one. But I, I also, I'm not sure entirely. Also, 
what is the deal with Black Panther not coming till May 2020? Wait, 2022? What's I was the like, deal? Um, uh, yeah, like I went Seinfeld on us there. What's the deal with Black Panther? <laughs> because, because Peter, the... Peter, you're going to see it. And everyone else is going to see it. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, My the... friend was saying that she thinks that because they have no Avengers movie slated, they're basically treating the Black Panther sequel, that's their big event Avengers movie. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. So that's I wouldn't why. be surprised because it's going to make it's that money. It's just it's, weird. I was like, 2022? Especially like, with, without having a new Cap and a new Iron Man movie or anything like that. Yeah, who's the biggest star? Who's the biggest character in the world right now? It's pretty much Black Panther, given how much money that first movie made. Oh, yeah. No, it is. Well, that, if anything, that makes me like, why don't you want to get that sequel up soon? Like, I mean, but yeah, Fal- I guess Falcon and the Winter Soldier is late 2020. I, mean, I just got to say that Ryan Coogler takes his time, Peter. Yeah. Late 2020. Whoa, late so 2020. So, yeah, these Marvel series aren't coming for a while because that, that's I mean, the first one. And WandaVision's early 2021. Loki's early 2021. Wow. So we're getting so the next Marvel thing we get is Black. Is it Black Widow in theaters? Yes. Is that right? So Black yes. Widow is that spring or something? Yes. Like that's no, that's the May kickoff movie. So yeah, that's the that's May first. Um, interesting. Uh, phase four what? launches next year. What about Disney Plus? Because you've also you've got three Marvel movies came out this year already. <laughs> like you've got some time. Did they did a D twenty three? Did they say anything about Pixar television shows? Yeah, the Forky Show. Oh, you know, I had heard about that, but I, I haven't seen a trailer. Did they release a trailer? I don't know if they did it or not, but, I mean, is their trailer really going to tell you much more than you need to know? Trash. Like, that's all you need to say. <laughs> you got to show. Hey, man, Tony Hill's getting work. Great. I like, I think Forky's a great character. I guess we're just getting into the news stuff now. We've pivoted Yeah, we're really, trailers. we've just got on to D23 news. Let's and just stick with this general. for now. We'll get to the movies last. We'll just do the news right now. Yeah, already, exactly. like, way into it. We are a movie podcast, not a yeah. news podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that we, We're saving that. But yeah, you, yes, as you explained, yes, Black Panther has been announced uh, for May 6, 2022. And yeah, it's a little while to wait at the same time. Again, it's not like you're not going to see it. <laughs> there's oh, I not, know. There's just, not going to yeah. be waning interest in Black Panther. Everyone's waiting to see Black Panther. It's a, it's a long time, I agree. But Marvel's also like, we gotta, we really got to launch these new characters that you haven't heard of. And a, finally a Doctor Strange sequel. And a Thor movie, again, with Taika, with Ta- Taiki Waititi or whatever you say, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Maui Jim. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's not like Disney's lacking content right now. Um, but like, what else? I mean, yeah, you bet. Yeah, the, the Forky show. Like, what is it called? I got to, like, find this thing. Can't even believe that was a real thing. Yeah, it's um, here it is. I thought I had it. Um, it's like Ask Forky or something like that. That's what it's called. It's, it's some like. Let me see here. See if I can find this. Ask Forky a question. That's that's the show. That's the name of the show. <laughs> of the of the things that you thought about, if it's gonna be about learning, I'm all for it because this sounds like you know maybe it's, maybe it's like their own version Sorry, of a Forky Sesame asks a question. That's the name of the show. Yeah, and maybe it's, it's like a, it's a ten short. Show. It's here. I have it right here. It's ten shorts that all launch the day Disney Plus go live. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. So like. <laughs> And he'll ask questions like, what is love? What is time? And more pressing, what is cheese? That's the official press release of the, okay. of the show. So not reading Rainbow Style. Got it. Well, it still seems like it's probably going to be something silly that's also like, kids can watch this and kind of yeah. learn something. <laughs> but yeah, good on Tony Hale. 
Good on exactly. Good on, yeah. good on two-time Emmy Award winner Tony, Tony Hale. Who I hope wins a third. He's great in the last season of Veep. Um, he's yeah, a lot of people are pretty great in the last yeah, season. Of yeah, Veep. there's no real league link in that show. Like, it's <laughs> it's, it's pretty solid. Yeah. What else uh, is happening in the news, Aaron? What else is happening in the news? Um, let's see. There was. Let's see. They uh, we got the trailer for that Lady in the Tramp live action movie. That act- one I thought was a joke as well. Which is actually live <laughs> action. Like it's actually dogs. They just yes. they're doing like Babe yeah. style where they have the mouths move. Oh, okay. So, like, it's not digital fur technology like we'll see in Cats or The Lion King. It's well, actual... I mean, digital fur technology is really good these days, so <laughs> I would great. not be surprised. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, cool. That sounds good. I've never seen Lady and the Tramp, although now I feel like I should eat some spaghetti and meatballs. I I was talking to Anna about them, my lovely girlfriend, about this. I can't recall if I've ever actually seen the entire movie. I, can, I, 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 I know, I know the main clip it. because that's the main thing about Lady and the Tramp, the whole spaghetti yeah. thing. But if I did, I was very young, and I have no memory of anything else that happens in this film beyond the fact that there's a lady and there's a tramp. <laughs> <laughs> now, which one is the lady again? <laughs> uh, Justin Thoreau. Uh, <laughs> is he voicing? He voices the tramp. Uh, Tessa Thompson is lady in the film. Okay. Among, like, there's a lot of people involved. I mean, it's a Disney remake. It's a Disney movie. And, and it's voices. That's with their umbrella. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got everybody there. Um, what else was announced? Uh, there's going to be a new Muppet uh, show. Didn't they already try this on ABC? They did, and it got canceled. But now yeah, they're yeah. going to have Muppets Now! Okay. A new show involving the Muppets. Good on you. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Muppets. We'll see how it goes. Um, in addition to the other Marvel series that have already been announced, Kevin Feige came up on stage and like, look, guys, we know you want to see these Marvel series. We're going to have three more for you. And he's like, here's Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk. They're developing all of those as series as well. Now, can you give me a quick uh, a nutshell recap of who each of these people are? I really can't. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know who Moon Knight I mean, is. She-Hulk, I think, is pretty self-explanatory, although there's plenty of people online, trolls, that are like, oh my god, they're changing Hulk, even though the She-Hulk's been a character She-Hulk's for many been decades. That was created by Stan Lee. There, there's <laughs> many versions of her as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but Moon Knight, people were going crazy over it, and I was like, I don't think I know who this person is. Yeah, I'm not too... Yeah, my my Marvel knowledge only goes so far. Moon Knight, I'm aware of the name. I think I've even seen the character here <laughs> and there. Uh, Miss Marvel, I know more recently is like a, a young Muslim girl. Like that's the that the whole character that's currently played. There's been a lot of Miss Marvels, including Carol Danvers was a Miss Marvels at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, yes, there's like a young Muslim girl is currently has the identity of Miss Marvel, and she can stretch and like has like super strength or what you know uh, the things that come with stretching <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> your uh, own toy <laughs> yeah uh so yeah th- those are those are some new announcements we went over the human now, Aaron, uh, i heard that there was some controversy which what are you what are you referring to and and i i mean it's everyone's favorite friendly neighborhood spider-man oh oh yeah, yeah. let's talk about this spider-man thing <laughs> And I'd love to. I'd love to hear the out now with their name take on this. It's weird how like I find it so comical. Like I don't like. It's not like I, I get that there's a like. Oh my god, he's not going to be a part. But like I've not had too much like drama in my mind as far as like the the scenario that's been presented. I, I'm there too, and I, I just want the listeners. We, we got to calm the listeners down. Well, so here's what happens. Sony, as we all know, lent Spider-Man to the MCU, both because the Amazing Spider-Man films did not perform as high as strongly as they thought they could. And because corporate synergy, why not? Uh, at that time when that deal was made, Sony or Disney was making basically 5% of the profits. 
uh, for Sony's, you know, they basically make the movie, they distributed it, but then they have like, you know, they can inter- they can interweave the character with the MCU, and Kevin Feige comes on comes on board as like a you know an advisor and like helps give story direction or whatnot, and the whole like Robert Downey Jr. factor is, you know, certainly something as well, uh, for that first one at least. Uh, so now Spider Man has been in five MCU movies: Spider Man: Homecoming, Far From Home, uh, Civil War, Captain America: Civil War, Avengers: Infinity War, and Avengers: Endgame. Uh, now the deal needs to be renegotiated. Uh, to renegotiate in the in this renegotiation pro- process, Disney was like, "Hey guys, you know we've made some pretty successful Spider-Man movies. Maybe we should up our five percent to fifty percent." Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like you're asking for a lot more money all of a sudden to you know have this character. <laughs> I don't know involved. if that seems like that is a lot more. That's forty-five percent more. <laughs> I mean, what's the deal, right? That's out there. Um, Peter, but yeah. you gotta get in there with the so, what's the deal. So I, I'm looking at this thinking that's a hefty price that Disney's suddenly asking for as far as Spider-Man goes, especially since it's not like Disney's short on cash. <laughs> like it's it's not as if like to, you know they need this because they're right now. It's not like they need this because they're struggling. They're they're they've made what five billion dollar grocers with two <laughs> on the way like, this this year. Like, I get that you got to pay off that, you know, that Fox layaway debt, but at the same time, it's like, you guys are going to keep making this money. Uh, but regardless, Disney themselves were like, we should leak this out because everyone's going to be on our side automatically because they don't want Spider-Man to leave. Meanwhile, Sony's sitting over here thinking, I guess we got to craft a clever press release note to note that uh, we wish things could have happened differently, but that's not what Disney wants to do. Uh-huh. What I find the most interesting is that Disney was is in a position to be like, we can just leak this news and make everyone feel like Sony's the bad guy here because everyone's going to be more interested in the headline than actually reading in between the lines. And, I mean, I got to give a bit of prop to Sony, or to Disney on that matter, as far as weaponizing ignorance. Like, that's neat to me. But, no, as far as who's, like, that, at fault here. That's happening here, too often these days, and we, we can't give props to that. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, as far as, yeah, as far as that goes, this is clearly not like a... Like, Sony's in a position where they've, like, won an Oscar for their last Spider-Man movie that had no involvement with the MCU. Their, yeah. their Venom movie, while bad... Um, made, so, like, 700 million made, had Yeah, it made a ton of money. Um, it's getting a sequel. <laughs> it's, gonna get, it's getting a sequel that's gonna make more money. Uh, their next Spider-Verse movie is gonna make plenty of money as well. I mean, and what their, their Morbius movie with Jared Leto is probably gonna make a stupid amount of money, too. I mean... They're in a good position here to, like, keep things going. And even with that in mind, the Spider-Man films that they're currently making, because Tom Holland's still on Spider-Man, they didn't, from my perspective, they don't really need the MCU at this point. Like, based Wait, off where... Based, I mean, hold on, hold on. Based uh, off where everything ended... <laughs> what, I want to hear your side, Peter. What, is, what does Spider-Man really have to do with the MCU at this point? Peter, tell me this. What, what does he need to do? Well, I mean, but wait, but I mean, if you if let's you say that there's going to be spoilers for Spider-Man: Far From Home. <laughs> okay, but I mean, for the end of Far From Home, I mean, we have that all that stuff with um what stuff with Nick Fury and everything. How are we not going to get Nick Fury back? I mean, now what does what does Spider-Man have to do with Nick Fury? To, to be fair, that actually wasn't Nick Fury. <laughs> oh no, no, but if you stayed for the credits, yeah. So what does that have to do with Spider-Man? Spider-Man's not going into space. He's not going to no, fight with scrolls. But I mean, I like I like having him with. Not only Nick Fury, but also um, Happy. Happy was a big part of Far From Home. I mean, like, it yeah, just... Yeah, but what happened at the end with Happy? Uh, wait, what do you mean? They broke up. He's not with Ant-Man anymore. Is it? Wait, Is what? They dumped him. Yeah. Oh. Oh, you're talking about Aunt May. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll work. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I... 
I, yes, you are right. No, but... tell me. What, I mean, again, what really, what connection does he have beyond being fun supporting character occasionally in Avengers movies, which there aren't any planned currently? He's, he's Tony Stark's protege. Well, that's what the internet is saying, Aaron. What does that matter at this? Oh, point? what about the glasses? Yeah, exactly, Aaron. What about the glass? One, about one the prop that he was given in the movie. Iron Man. Stark Tech glasses. What I mean, about like, what about what him about crying over Iron Man and being like, "I miss Tony so bad." I mean, I, I mean, that I, was that movie. I, that's not. He doesn't. If, if that's in the third movie, that seems like bad writing to me. Why is he still pining over this? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Aaron, you're missing the point. They're gonna make a Sinister Six movie in the MCU, and Kevin Feige knows how to do this better than Sony. But they're not gonna do that anymore. Well, here's wait. Here's my question. The thing that I heard. One, I heard. Some people said that Disney wanted 50%. Some people said, no, 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 it was 30%. Either way, that's a big leap from 5%. Well, like, this is the one that leaked this. So, I mean, I think Disney would leak it properly if they needed to. Oh, but um, the only thing was um, that I was wondering was like, okay, when, when, they were, when they made the first two Spider-Man movies with Sony, were they, co- were they both like co-financing? Were they like, how, no. like, is it? I mean, yeah, so that's all right. So does Sony pay for both those movies? You know, 100%. They just pay for those movies. Yes. So what they basically get from Disney was they get Kevin Feige to oversee, which basically means the writers, the directors, the creative direction, which is a deal. I mean, like, that's a big deal. So now that would mean in the third Spider-Man movie, you don't get that. I mean, like, I don't know. I, like, from that, from that, my my thought on that standpoint is like, if the impetus is on Sony to hire writers and directors that can properly handle Spider Man, they should write, they should hire writers and directors that can po- properly hire to handle Spider Man. I mean, it. That's very. That's very. I Aaron, mean, that, I mean, very it, Aaron what are we arguing here? It's like the, I mean, the, the I, problem Sony has is maybe they don't hire the right people. Well, that's a fucking problem for movies. Then I mean, that's not, that's less of a studio <laughs> thing. No, that's true. That is true. And, and I, I mean, all, with also, that with that being said, from my standpoint, I think Far From Home and Homecoming are right in the middle for me with the Spider-Man movies. Home Homecoming's second to bottom for me. So it's like I'm not seeing too much of an issue having Spider-Man go back to possibly a more filmmaker-driven direction than just being part of this giant franchise thing. Like, I like Spider-Man. But you don't like him? You don't like it connected? I don't... No, I don't... No, I don't... Peter, like, yes, there's fun to be had if Spider-Man still gets to interact with these Marvel characters. At the same time, I've seen multiple Spider-Man movies that didn't involve anybody in the MCU that I like more than all of the Spider-Man movies involving in the MCU. So I'm not... I'm not... For me personally, I'm not feeling too bad if Spider-Man has to go back to having his giant rogues gallery and multiple characters that work completely fine on their own. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, but you're going to get Spider-Man skateboarding, and he doesn't do that, Aaron. <laughs> Wait a minute, you think that in your in the realm of the Spider-Man movies, I am assuming that you, I'm assuming you, me, and Aaron are, are all on the same page. I'm assuming we would say the best Spider-Man movie, it's either Spider-Man 2 or it's Into the Spider-Verse, am I correct? Are we all in agreement? I, I feel like Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie. Into the Spider-Verse is like in the class of its own. It's like, it's it's... Yeah, I don't know. Abe I, I really loves Spider. I mean, I love Spider Verse too, but like Spider Man Two is like on my Mount Rushmore of superhero movies. So. Well, what about wait? But we all love Into Spider Verse, right? I mean, oh, of it's course, yes. It's my yeah. second favorite Spider Man. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> but I mean, all right. Beyond that, are you saying Far From Home? That's on your. So you think that like Spider Man Three and the two the Garfield ones are better than Far no, from Garfield? Home? Hold on, hold on. 
Yeah, gar- you know, the lasagna loving cat. I will say this. I like Raimi's films and Amazing Spider-Man 2 more than all of the MCU films. Not all the all the Spider-Man oh. MCU films. Not all of them. That'd be, that'd that'd be crazy talk. Amazing Spider-Man 2. What? No, you felt that way about Amazing Spider-Man I think that movie, and watching it again only confirms this to me, it has so much more going on than most MCU movies. Like, it's so, like, weird, it has weird choices being made, but they all feel distinct and filmmaker-driven. They might not all work, God knows they don't all work, but at the same time, compared to Homecoming or Far From Home, which just feel like, and he's doing this thing now. They feel, it, it feels like a movie to me. That's the one with the, the shocker, well, right? That, the... Uh, what homecoming's are shot? Um, no, Electro. no, 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 no. Spider- Electro. Amazing Spider-Man Two. Electro is with Electro. The, I think. Uh, well, I'll say this: I think Amazing Spider-Man Two is underrated. I definitely think it's better than some people give it credit for. That's true. But I mean, it's splitting hairs to me. They're all like seven out of tens. I mean, it's not. Oh, like... yeah, that's right. But I, I think the thing that the the two Marvel, the Marvel Sony Spider-Man movies, the two things that those movies did really well, and. Aaron, I know you are more of a Batman. Like, I grew up a Spider-Man person, and I knew you're more of a Batman-like person, but for I like me... Him. I have posters of Batman in front of me and Spider-Man behind me, oh, okay. so I mean, like, I'm, thing, I'm pretty good at both of really, The thing that I really enjoy about these two MCU ones is they do a really good job, essentially, of giving us Peter Parker's life. Peter Parker and his friends and his family. I feel like the, the, the Raimi ones and the, I, I guess, is it uh, Mark Webb? Is that who did yeah. the other... Mark Webb. Those ones are good as superhero movies, but I never really felt like he was like a teenager. Even Toby and look, I love Spider Man too, but I never really felt like it was teens. Like I really I feel mean, like it's, Sony ones, like the new it, ones. Like let me, I mean, let me go, let me go at this right here. Spider Man, not much, not a teen very often in the comics, by the way. Uh, he he goes out, he gets out of high school fairly quickly. No, also, you're right. Also, the movies also get him out of high school very quickly. Mm-hmm. The Raimi, the, he ends high school in the Raimi one like 20 minutes into the movie. Like he's done right. in high school. He's, he's going to NYU. Yeah, yeah he's, he's right. I, but I guess to me that's and, what I really enjoyed about Tom Holland as as a Peter Parker. I know. Like, you, I, yeah, I, I can it, agree it, with that as far as yeah. I've seen five other Spider-Man movies. It's nice to see one that's different from that. I guess that. right. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, and Peter again, I framed I framed Homecoming as like this is the one of the best Peter Parker movies. I framed yes. Roger Rabbit. Oh no, RIP to the animator. He <laughs> yes, passed away. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah, like uh, wow, I can't believe bringing up all sorts of news. <laughs> so wait, Abe, are you on the same page as Aaron? Are you like those are those are on the bottom for you? For the no, I mean, it's not even about it, ranking though. That's not the point not that so I'm trying about, to make. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, I I do like them better than probably Aaron has ranked them, but still. Um, as far as like this, the back to the real story of the, the first hey, Amazing Spider-Man is the worst Spider-Man movie, by the way. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Lizard People is the worst one. Yeah, but it's I mean, worse than Spider-Man three. Miller's in that movie. Come on, Spider-Man three. Raimi's Raimi has so much more. Like, no, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't no. seen forever but i remember Sp- really okay all right wow <laughs> every well, time well, i watch one of those movies versus an mcu movie i'm like this is what it looks like when a director like has control over a movie to some degree versus the product that i get from mcu which i mostly like yeah, but, but Raimi's like he's he's like a master director like he make he makes scenes that feel like he's making the movie not that kevin feige's directing the guys that he hired to make the movie make the movie but like, i what, like, this what is, is how john you know watts not done? getting marvel like, money this is how you know we're not getting Disney or Marvel money because we're we're talking shit about Kevin Feige. <laughs> but I thought that Raimi didn't like working on Spider-Man three. No, he, no, he did, no, I he didn't. No, he didn't. But he but it's still crammed with all of his style. Everything yeah. about that movie screams Raimi to me, even if it all doesn't work. Well, the humor especially. <laughs> the humor especially, yes. Yeah, I mean the whole entire like Peter walking in a 
you know, while singing, like that's definitely like a humorous. I mean, the the only stuff that's not Raimi is the Venom stuff. That's it. That's the stuff that he doesn't like, and that doesn't even take up much of the movie. <laughs> so it's right. okay. But I will say that to the to the story of uh, Spider Man moving up, potentially not having the MCU. I mean, look, man, uh, Stranger Things have happened before. We're not even sure Three what. Times. Yeah, I mean, we're not even sure if. Uh, people are saying that Tom Holland's on a contract, he's still got two more movies, fine, whatever. Like, whoever decides to make these, I agree with uh, Aaron on the point of, you know, Sony has been competent in making uh, Spider-Man movies before. I agree with uh, that the MCU has taken uh, Spider-Man and included him with other superheroes, but maybe that's something that Sony can do as well. I, I don't know how it's going to pan out, but just for us to, like, throw our hands up and say, oh, man, one one uh, studio is better than the other, that's not true. I mean, Aaron has proven that to be the case. I mean, Spider-Man 2 is one of the best superhero movies ever. Spider-Verses and Academy Award winner, like what Aaron mentioned. Sure, uh, Tom Holland is great as Spider-Man, but we're not even sure how this is going to shake out. You know, studios often do these backroom deals without us knowing, and it all just works out in the end. And also... There have been times where studios have co-done, like co-written or co-produced in these these movies before as well. So it's not out of it's not as though it's like a divorce and one person is going to go live with the other parent for the rest of time. No, That's you're not right. how these things work. You're right, and, and look, and as far as like Sony as a studio, I mean, look, they've made you know the Social Network. They right, right. now they have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They they certainly have uh, a lot of great material uh, on stuff. And and to be fair. They also have the Jumanji series, so they have other summer blockbuster things. I guess I just, I don't know, man. I I, I like Tom Holland in the MCU. I just like it. Like <laughs> I get, I, no, I get you. I, get I mean, you. Peter, yeah. you're still gonna get Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. It's not like Sony's gonna drat like now that we're free of Disney's clutches, we can like take our Spider-Man and just do like whatever do we want. You're still gonna get a movie that has the sensibilities of the same Spider-Man movies. He's just not gonna say Mr. Stark every ten minutes. Like that's what you're losing. <laughs> like, what? And and Peter, unfortunately, he'll probably be losing the glasses. So yeah, the gla- you're probably right. What, what was the name of the uh, the android in that one, or the the operating system? I don't remember. Her. It, it, is it a woman's voice? No, but it, it, I forget what the acronym is for the glasses. Yeah, uh, hold on, Edith. Edith, there you uh, go. Even even dead, I'm the hero or whatever. Oh, yeah. that's right. I did like that. That was funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, Aaron, you want to move on to the next story here about the uh, about a, a fourth movie in a franchise? Yeah, we're getting a fourth Matrix movie. A and fourth this one. is Peter. I'd like to hear where you stand on these, but Aaron, you're a big fan of two and three. Um, two your favorite or three your favorite? I'd be I'd be happy to hear anybody that says three is their favorite and have to hear that argument. I mean, that'd be that'd be, that'd be, that'd be something. Um, I no, I I am a big fan of Reloaded. I think Reloaded yeah. is my favorite of the franchise. It's splitting hairs again between that and the first Matrix. I think Got it's it. also brilliant, and you can hear more about that in our Out Now commentary track for the Matrix, which we recorded this past March. Um, but yeah, no, I think Reloaded. I really enjoy Reloaded, and I I like Re- Revolutions so. As far as I'm concerned, I've seen three really good Matrix movies. I look forward to if they're going to make a fourth one, and it still involves, uh, it still involves a Wachowski along with Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Maas, and it has the the writer of Cloud Atlas is joining. Um, is it Lana? Which is is it Lily or Lana? I'm trying to remember which one it is. Lana. Wait, or maybe it's Lily. Um, I think it's Lana because I think Lily's work like what she's. I think she's working on the on the Showtime series, which is why they're not working on this thing together. <laughs> Um, I think it's Lana that was written that wrote Cloud Atlas. I'm looking at IMDb right now. 
Well, they both. Well, adapted. they, they, they both all adapted. Them and, and yeah. Tom Tick were adapted. Well, they got John, and they got uh, John Toll as the cinematographer. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Wachowski's attract talent. Like they, they're yeah, like, say, say what it, you want about the quality. Okay, good. Say what you want about the quality of their films. It's not like they're poorly made. I mean, like they, they, they're visually pretty great. Um, but yeah, I, mean, no, no, I I'm a fa- actually no, I'm a fa- I am a fan of the the Matrix series, and um, I I would agree. The third the third is the weakest one, but I I still enjoy. It I enjoy has the- more life than most movies that we see these days as far as a director vision doing something in unique in its own way. Oh, absolutely. You mean, you, yes. I mean, as opposed to the MCU, uh, the bulk of the MCU stuff. I'm not even trying to bad about yeah. the MCU, but uh-huh. it's like, you can see an auteurship going on in these films that you don't see in a lot of just studio produced guess, blockbusters these days. I guess the, my only issue with matrix, not an issue, but my only thing I'm curious about with uh matrix four is obviously look, there is, the, what are they people called the, the Keanu sans like the Renaissance like Keanu is there a, there's a term for this yeah people say that like he, people love Keanu the Reeves it's something like that yeah let's just call it the Wickening uh, the Wick- <laughs> <laughs> which is great that's that's great and I just watched the uh, I was just watching the extras for John Wick three with uh, Halle Berry and the dogs and that's great um, but Peter I notably say, a cat guy too so you know and I am <laughs> I will say that like I am as much as I'm. I can't wait to see another Matrix movie. I kind of felt like Neo and Trinity's story was kind of done. So I don't, a part of me was kind of like, well, why can't we just have a new series? But I feel like, like The Force Awakens and stuff, it's like everything is, you make a new movie, maybe you have different main characters, but you still have to use your original. Because we don't know if Neo's the lead. They're, they're just saying he's in it. Like They've signed uh, on. That, yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's really a new story in the Matrix universe, but you have a connection with some of the original cast members. That's well, what I'm... Also, where the heck is Lawrence Fishburne? Why isn't he signed up? He's so going to show up. He's, the, well, the, he's, he's on the, the roof of the pigeons. The, the rumor currently is that they're actively seeking a young... A, a character playing a young version of Morpheus, which I do think hints at what they're trying to do with the fourth ep, uh, movie. Yeah. Well, uh, I will say this, that it uh, doesn't matter where the story really goes. I think really what's grown on me for Reloaded and Revolutions has been the idea of the Matrix. Um, and just diving into the multiple times that it's been recreated from the architect and all this other jazz from the Oracle, it's it's pretty fascinating. Like the execution of it, I, I disagree with Aaron and we have our differences on those, but I think we can both get behind the ideas of it. So I am excited to see where they're going to take this. I mean, there's no there's no revelation about what's going to happen in this one, right? Nothing's been released about that. No, nothing's that. been released. So, yeah, yeah, you have to clarify why is how is Trinity still around since she, you know, died on the third she one. She got a how, giant thing in her stomach. <laughs> how is Keanu Reeves around since he was, like, right. I don't know, inserted into the Matrix or what right. have you. And you know, So I am curious about what's going to happen because, again, uh, these are fascinating ideas. And it's it's... It's not as though the the story can end right away. I mean, there's such a cliffhanger type thing that you can read into at the end of is it Revolutions when yeah, uh, I mean the, it, they they've reached an uneasy alliance with the machine, so it's, right. you know that, so, that doesn't have to last. So it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, if this was a spinoff of just the Architect and the Oracle, let's do it. I will if say it, that if it's just if it's just the, they're just like the Architect and the Oracle palling yeah. around together. Yeah, exactly. I will now here. Let me ask you, you know, guys, Volkswagen that, Carmen Gia. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will say that, like, um, I, I am, I'm, as a person who considers himself kind of an 
I guess a more old fashioned uh, movie critic or whatever. Um, I have been. You're, you're the same age as we are. <laughs> no, no, but what, what I mean is, no, no, meaning in terms of what a, what the critic's job is, like what a critic does or whatever. I've been mixed on how in the last few years um, we really turned into think pieces on things. However, oh yeah, I agree. so instead of <laughs> instead of talking about just is it a good movie, blah blah blah, it's like how does it relate to the world we live in, and which could be good. I will say I really love is. Do, Aaron, do you know the writer? Is it Emily Emily Todd Vander or something? Do you know who I'm talking about? I think I know who you're referring to. Yeah. Uh, so it's a tra- it's a trans film cr- critic. Used to be, I think, used to write for AV Club as Todd, and now is Emily. And she has a really great article on basically um, the the kind of trans coding of the first Matrix, or maybe the whole Matrix trilogy. Um, and I think it's great. It's a, I think it's a really fascinating piece. Um, but my, I guess my question to you guys is that was when it, the Wachowskis were, is it Andy and was it Larry? Larry. So now my question would be in doing now that they've transitioned and they're, and one of them is doing a new matrix movie. Do you think that the coding and the stuff that may or may not have been intentional in the first series has a potential of being, like two on the nose or something because you know what I mean? There's, there's something about when a filmmaker does a movie and they're putting themselves into it, whether consciously or not. And then you can be like, Oh, that's actually very fascinating. But once it becomes a thing where we're all very aware of it, that's a very different thing to make another movie. Like, so do you guys think about that? Cause I'm curious. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just curious. I mean, I think it depends on the movie that they're trying to make. And if they're making a fourth matrix movie, I think it's going to, to adhere to the kind of style they put forth in previous matrix movies compared to something like cloud Atlas, which does have more like ideas that are thrown right at you as far as or, uh, or uh, gender, sense- gender fluidity or what have you. Right. Whatever sense- it was. Is it sense eight? That- sense eight is another. Yeah. Absolutely. I, sense- I only, I, I never watched like all of sense eight, but like, I, I know that, yeah, that was a big part of what that show was trying to do. Yeah. Where the Matrix, yes, there's can be, you know, obviously with time comes evolution and filmmaker, what have you, but I still think it's going to, whatever ideas it wants to put out there, it's still going to kind of fit into the world of the Matrix as it applies. But you're not wrong as far as the, I mean, that's evident at the time as far, I mean, just, it's not spoken of in the same way just because of the way where we were in the world in 99 and 2003 versus where we were in 2019. And especially because there's a lot of things going off those Matrix movies. I mean, the part of the, Something I really like about Reloaded and Revolutions is how colorblind it is, how you have a lot of people of color doing all kinds of things, and there's no question about the nature of it. It's just that's how things are. Uh, people of color and just w- women, just all in bed. Like, it's a lot of things that they're just incorporating without having to call attention to the fact that it's happening. And I think, if anything, that's probably what's still going to take place in a fourth Matrix film. Also, there's the fact that, like, as I recall, when the when the Matrix, I think, when the Matrix first came on DVD... Didn't they like, and I think they're the first filmmakers to do this. They had two commentaries and it was like one commentary was a person, a film critic who like really loved when they, no, here I can explain. When Another they, was a critic who found the, a lot of, when the, when the trilogy came out in like a repackaged set, when they released like all three films, all three films had a philosopher's commentary track where you had multiple philosophers all talking about how much they loved the themes of the matrix. Then they had three different critics on a separate commentary track for each film talking about how much they hated the movies. Oh, okay, yeah. But I thought that was I thought that was great. I really liked that about them. That I was, and of course, especially since they're 
certainly at that time, less so now, they didn't do any press, like, which is a rare thing for any, you know, major directive. They, like, compared to, like, the Russos, who are everywhere now and constantly making less sense of time travel in Avengers Endgame, like, they're, they're <laughs> the, the Wachowskis are like, we're just not doing, like, Joel Silver, producer Joel, he's very protective of them. He, like, he keeps giving them money to make movies, but he's also like, yeah, they don't have to talk about anything. They can, you know, do what their own thing. Mm-hmm. Let the stars do the work, but they didn't do any press whatsoever. Now they're less reclusive. Now they're, you know, yeah, they're out like, there talking about things and whatnot. It's, so it sounds like, Abe, you are, I guess, cautiously optimistic about seeing getting rebooted, rejacked into the Matrix, but you were not necessarily a fan of the trilogy as a whole. Yeah, I wasn't a fan, but again, the philosophies and the ideas that have, uh, that were the, the story behind all of it have really grown on me in the years since. I haven't revisited them in full uh, you know, I think Aaron, you might watch them like once every couple of years or something like that. It's been a minute, but like, yeah, and I've been meaning but, to watch Reloaded and because I, because we watched The Matrix for the 20th yeah. anniversary, so I'm like, I might as well finish off this trilogy since I really totally, like it. yeah. But, um, and then to your point, Peter, about whether I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic, to be honest, the Wachowskis, Starship, or what are they going by now? Just the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis, those guys have, those gals have been really on fire with the way that they've been making their movies. Uh, and telling their stories, whether it's kind of crazy and weird, like Jupiter Ascending, or like what you guys were talking about with Cloud Atlas, where they've directed some of it and they let other people direct their other parts of it. But whatever they're bringing to the screen, I'm interested in seeing. Whether I like it is a different story. But uh, Aaron, you're, you can speak to this a little bit further too. Uh, but with uh, Speed Racer, I did like the the visuals that they brought to the screen. I just didn't like the story overall. Oh, what I they did with it, it was like, oh wow, this is yeah. actually like this is better than I thought what what they could do, and also it's like it's different from what I thought somebody was going to do. I just didn't like it as a whole. Yeah, for me, yeah. Speed Racer is a masterpiece. I mean, it's yeah, just I, like, I really like Speed Racer. There's right? some like there's so much going on in that movie, and the way it's presented to you is so unique. Right. It's just I I can't. I can understand why it wouldn't do well, but at the same time, it's like, well, of course this wouldn't do well. It's just so ahead of everything else in, in its own league as far as what the filmmakers behind it are doing. And I, I feel mostly the same about just how they've always ran their career. They seem to be on the precipice of something new and exciting, which is why I'll keep being excited about their films. I wasn't overall right. a fan of Jupiter Ascending, but I certainly wanted to, you know, I wanted to see I wanted to see what that would be. I mean, there, there were some cool stuff in there. Uh, oh, yeah, there's lots sure. of cool stuff. Like it's, right. it's not a, it's, you know, it's not a hard pass on that movie. There's yeah. a lot of good things. Just as overall, overall. I mean, there's know, rollerblading in it. Yeah, there's a rollerblading in the sky. <laughs> it's great. Channing Tatum's like a big bird or something, and there's bees, like, you know, whatever. But <laughs> And the, Sean Bean doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, he, but he, he's a beekeeper. It's weird. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, them making a fourth movie, it's not like that screams to me less like, oh, no, we're out of ideas. It's a stupid saying anyway. And more of, oh, great, we get another Wachowski movie. Like, that's that's my thought. On that one. <laughs> I can see that. I think that wraps it up. For all the yeah, movies. that was a great that was a great discussion <laughs> on The Matrix 4. And, and in general, let's move on. Let's get to let's get to some uh, some movie chatter here, because I know we've seen a number of things before we start wrapping things up, because we've been going on for a while. Um, let's see. There's been a number of movies that came out. First up, I want to talk about Ready or Not, because I know, Peter, you and I have seen Ready or Not, correct? Correct. This is... Let me pull it up real quick. Hold on. So I have all my info on me. Yeah. This is a new film from Radio Silence, a directing team that's made up of Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette. It stars Samara Weaving as 
a new bride to a groom who's a part of a wealthy family, the Ladomas family. And as we learn, every time someone enters their family, a game needs to be played for whatever reason. And it's from there, uh, we learn that Samara Weaving's Grace will have to kind of survive the night because the game that's selected is hide and seek. And all of the other family members equip themselves with like ancient, like uh, antique weapons and go after her. Uh, I'm trying not to get too far into like why this is, but beyond that, Peter, what did you think of Ready or Not? You know, um, I was very excited to see it based on the trailer. I thought it looked really funny, and I am a fan of um, Your Next from 2011, which was uh, Adam Wingard. Yeah. Adam Wingard, I, yeah, like yeah. yeah, which that's really more of a home invasion movie, but but the but the plot of um, you know, a guy, a, a, a guy in wealthy fa- from wealthy family is bringing his girlfriend to meet. So that's kind of similar. And, and that movie has a comedic edge to it. Like it is, yeah, well, tra- it is actively trying to be humorous. Right. And so on, based on that, I was actually, I was looking for, and, and the trailer, uh, I was looking forward to seeing your next. And um, I, I don't ready or not. was, wait, what? Ready or not. Oh, ready or not. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Ready or not. Um, I have to say though that I, for the, I know we're, we're sort of no, we're kind of no spoilers because it's a new movie, right? So we're not yeah. gonna. Yeah. So I was overall, I would say for the most of the running, the ninety-five minutes, I was enjoying it, but I didn't really like love it. I wasn't like, oh my god, this is amazing. I was like, oh, it's good. I was like, the humor, kind of okay, and like the action stuff's okay, but I do really like uh, Samara Weaving. I think she's terrific. But I will say this: I thought that without giving spoilers away, I really liked how it ended. I thought that the the last five minutes or whatever, how it all kind of wraps up, it left me with a big smile on my face. So on that level, I walked out liking the movie, I think, seemingly liking the movie a bit more. Uh, and then when I wrote the review, that kind of forced me into thinking about the things I liked or didn't like. So I feel like I'm pretty much in that, like, you know, 6.57, like, kind of scale for me. Um but I still, yeah, yeah, I still enjoyed it and everything. But I, yeah, I didn't, I was hoping to love it and I didn't love it. So. I agree with everything you've just said. Whoa, what? <laughs> Stop the presses. Like, I was literally, like, even at the end, I was like, well, I guess we're ending this here. And then it gets to this final five minutes of how things wrap up. And I'm like, well, that was neat. <laughs> like, I, 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 I enjoyed where it goes with what it kind of sets up. And I, I was into all that. Like, I, I think, yes, the movie's executed in a way where it's mostly effective. It just doesn't feel like it ever really goes above and beyond to impress me. Um, there are individual things here and there, like such as some of the performances. I think Adam Brody is very good as the like, yeah. potential brother-in-law who's like an asshole, <laughs> uh, but he's also very sarcastic and dry, so it's like pretty funny to see him be like that kind of character. Henry Journey, who plays, he's Kittredge in Mission Impossible. He popped up in a lot of like 90s movies as like authority figure guy. Like, he's fun as the father of the household who gets, like, yeah. more and more, like, exacerbated as the night goes on. Like, he's just, like he goes from, like, calm figure to more and more intense. Uh, like, there's stuff like that that I think, like, works. It's just, like, none of the other, like, there's so many characters here that do feel like types. And I feel like the movie could have done a lot more to explore that. But it never really tries to, which I thought was a shame. Because there's a lot of, like, fun character stuff here that could be happening. And it just doesn't quite nail it. And, like, like yeah, Samara Weaving, she's good. Like, she has to, you know, do a lot of physical work here to 
carry this film and so she's put into a lot of intense situations and sometimes they're played for laughs and sometimes they're played for the violence and the violent stuff is never like too gory which is nice like it doesn't feel too like extreme as far as the stuff that she has to deal with like so there's there, are th- there's a lot. Like, it, like you said, it works. It's a fun movie to watch. I encourage people to see it in theaters because it's an original movie. That Fox Searchlight's like, let's put it on twenty five thousand sc- twenty five hundred screens, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but like overall, yeah, like it'd be like a dollar theater, Abe. Like it's not. I'm not oh, okay. Really, it's you not have to run out. Run. You have to run out because yeah, it's never like it's never it's never feeling elevated to like the next level as far as horror comedies go. It just feels like. Is a this fun. a short movie? Yeah, it's what ninety something minutes. Breezy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It's welcome. Okay. Yeah, no. It, it moves in and out pretty quickly, and you know. So, who who wins the movie? Uh, what, the, what the audience, of course. The audience. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, like it. Oh, it here, I, 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 I'll say this. Here's something that I think is a, and I don't always think that you always that we always have to compare things, but like, and this isn't a spoiler because this is like the first ten minutes of the movie. Um. In your next, one of the things that was kind of fun about it was that you have uh, Sharni Venson from, you know, my, me and Aaron's uh, favorite from the Step Up movies. Uh, 3D. <laughs> 3D, right. One of the best ones. Um, so she comes to this house with her boyfriend and then there's an, an assault on the house and all this stuff starts going down. The One of the surprise fun parts about that is that her character, it's I, I haven't seen this in a while, but I think it's something like, her dad was a survivalist, and because of that, she actually has a lot more skills than you would think she has. So, like, there's kind of a fun where she can kind of, in a way, kind of home alone it. She can kind of turn the tables on the home invaders. In this movie, it's set up pretty early that she's, that um, Grace, nice. I think that's, yeah, Grace doesn't have those set of skills. Like, she really is just this, you know, she's a good person from a foster family who is a little overwhelmed that she's with this very wealthy, well-to-do like family, but it like, because without that, you don't really get that quality of like, okay, how is she going to like set oh, this I see what you're saying. bad guy or what? And that kind of stuff is fun in a way, in a weird way, it kind of goes back to die hard, which is weird. Cause as you know, I'm not a huge die hard person, but I mean like that a little more of a die hard quality, I think would have helped if that makes sense. Like, cause it's fun to see a character put up against, you know, a wall and be like, okay, how is she going to figure this out? And they don't, I don't know, there's a few moments, but there's not a lot that you would think. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a lot of happenstance as far as the interaction yeah. she has compared to she's actively trying to turn the tables on people or what. And like, there's also like her her husband character who's not entirely with the family on this. Like he wants to help out his wife, which, you know good on him makes sense <laughs> it's, like, right. but, it's a good thing it's a good way to start a marriage off but like but yeah but it doesn't like so by doing that it's not that it be, it's not that she's a damsel and he becomes her hero but at the same time by adding that quality it, it it means that you know the things that she's able to do for herself some of them are partly aided by the fact that she has someone helping her compared to like being completely on your own and he's he's like pretty much uh a, a pretty good marksman and and you know, a, a guy who knows all the weapons in the house. Is that really what aids her? No, her just journey? it's just more of his con- his conscience isn't with the family. That's okay. what it is. Yeah, it's that like none of like as Peter said, like not only is she not like trained in like surviving, but right. like none of the family are like hunters. They're all just wealthy rich people. And that's the other thing we're not really uh, okay. talking. That's the thing we're not really talking about. I mean, the movie is it does have some social commentary going on as far as the one percent. Oh, for sure. What what they give to be in this kind of position. Wait a minute, I thought they canceled thing. that movie. 
<laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> well, actually, I will say it does. It does make me go. Oh, I wish I could see the hunt. You know, like because I don't know when we'll get to see that. I wish I could see the hunt. It yeah. looks like a pretty interesting movie. I mean, I I'm certainly more curious now because I've seen the other movie that strangely didn't get any things going thrown against it. That's also very similar. <laughs> you know, that's how America works, I guess. Uh, but like it, that movie does seem to be more capitalizing off of the, you know, the obvious things it's hitting at where this movie i think it has it there and i think that's another reason why i wasn't huge on it it doesn't really it doesn't do much with that it just more like says like see look these rich people aren't they crazy like that's, that's <laughs> kind of that's it like, that's, 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 that's as far as yeah, it really goes like, <laughs> you've got to get that on the box cover <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's one of the movies that when i was writing the review and I was looking at the design and I was looking at the, the circumstance of the story and how that, yes, and how it relates to the world we live in and one percenters that I did appreciate, but it didn't. But yeah, it, but like so much of the movie, I didn't feel like it got to elaborate as much on it that I think I would have liked. And again, I know well, it's is, only, is that because it, it's intent is just to be in and out and. You know, oh, have yeah, a good I think time. it's too. I think it's too slight to really okay. approach. It, you know, it's not like the Purge, where that movie, especially oh, the, the especially especially the Purge sequels, where they're really hitting you over the head with what's going on as far as why there's a Purge, who's in charge of it, what they're going after. The, well, those, last, those last two in specific. I, I would say this, Peter, as far as this movie goes, as far as addressing the one, like something I I do think is a conscious choice is the cinematography, where you're in a mansion and the film has a kind of there's a quality to how it's presenting said mansion, and especially around the characters. Like you have okay. wider shots around the family members versus more close and claustrophobic shots around Grace. And but like the visual color palette, it it's both like it's there to show you how opulent it is, but it's also garish and ugly at the same time. Yeah, it is. And right. I and I do think that's on purpose, and I do kind of like that because I do think it's showing you like yes, they're fancy rich people, but look how ugly this all looks because of this like the colors we're choosing to show in this film. So it's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Agree. No, I would agree with you because I think there. I think that's an interesting choice because you have this big mount mount mansion to show you, but like they're not showing it in a way that like looks appealing. Like it's like I don't want this mansion. It looks like <laughs> ugly to me most of the time. No, 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 totally, totally. Um, so like it's stuff like that where it's like, all right, you're getting me there. You're getting me into the mindset of what you want to do as far as making like a slight horror comedy, but also have a little bit of stuff going on at the side. But overall, it's just like that's eh, fun. Like, it's a fun summer, end of summer movie. Yeah, okay. sure. No, absolutely. Let's get it here. Yeah. Abe, what have you seen? I recently watched The Farewell, and The Farewell is this movie that you guys, I think, you talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a A24 release directed by Lulu Wang. It's this movie about uh, a family whose grandmother uh, is has been diagnosed with cancer, and they're all struggling. There's an Eastern and Western thing of, well, do we tell her and let her know so that she can kind of grieve and, and kind of close things out with us? Or the Eastern way of like, well, no, you don't tell her and you just let her go on living and we'll just uh, we'll deal with it when it when it's time to deal with it. And we'll all have this giant wedding in China just to pretend that somebody's getting married so that we can all see her one last time. Um, and this movie is, uh, I thought that it was actually really, really good. I, I really enjoyed this movie. It's probably one of my favorites of the year so far. Um, and what I liked about it is that it's simple in its premise and its setup. The characters are, there's nothing ever really like overly dramatic about something. Like, um, there are dramatic moments, yes, but there's no like, oh, the score swells and here's the part where, um, you know, everyone breaks down or what have you. It's actually, 
very well done. It, it's handled in a very delicate and uh, I would say uh, delicate and what's the term where I'm looking for where it's like deliberate, deliberate manner. Um, Aquafina is very good in this movie. I think a lot of the actors and actresses are very good in this movie, including the grandma um, who's played by Shu Shuzen Zhao, and she's got she's got to provide this energy, and she's got to provide this like matriarch matriarchal uh, persona to the family. Um, the other person I really liked in this is uh, Alcafina's mom, played by Diana Lin. I think that she's got this really really good dinner dialogue sequence with uh, the differences between America and and China, and how it's you know seemingly blown up in China, and you can become a millionaire, and yet there's these Western ideas that you stick to. Um, so there's a lot of like jabs here and there about uh, what has and hasn't changed, but on the whole, it's a very uh, good movie and quite honestly a funny movie. It's it's funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, it's more lighthearted, and the things that I would knock about it are just that there's uh, a few like independent slow mo shots that you see a lot of, and they don't really allude to anything per se, um, but. Very, very strong performances from everybody. Um, great movie. Little bit of like a, a mid credit stinger or early credit stinger that that's fun. Um, and on the whole, I definitely would recommend people to go see it. And this is kind of uh, this is a film in which I feel as though not that I could make this, but one of those like, hey, if you've ever been wanting to make a movie, watch this and get some inspiration because you could probably make the movie that you're looking to make as well. I mean, it's not a credit stinger, it's just the end of the movie. The end of the movie, like, yeah. And I would say, it's not just fun, That that's what got me. Like, at that point in the movie, like, that's, that's, what, that's when it, like, I got hit by something. Yeah. Uh, as far as, like, getting me emotionally caught up, as far as where what the, I guess, a payoff is of sorts. Not that it directly applies to the movie that we're watching, but there is something there that it's like, okay, not only have I been really satisfied by the film I just watched, but there's also kind of a... A final like a cap off to this thing that's like totally oh, that's that's lovely like, yeah <laughs> so, yeah um i mean i agree with everything you're saying like i really like this movie a lot i've seen it twice now i saw it a second oh wow Thana. uh yeah and which i think is i mean that's saying something about a movie like this because movies that i see more than once often are you know something like big blockbusters yeah. things that are just like you know you you're happy to watch well i think that you and i are in that same time. boat because we watch so many movies that it's kind of like a big deal if we go see it twice in theaters yeah i mean like I tend to see like the the Marvel movies multiple times. It's like it's fun to see those like on sure. the big screen again and a credit or whatnot. And I've seen Hollywood three times at this point. And wow! The well, you've seen it. So you're the one. Oh. Yeah. Well, and we'll see if I see it again. Yeah. Um, but highly likely. But the um this movie, it's like walking into it and seeing it, it's like yeah, there's I I'm very happy I was able to watch it a second time just because it like it works so well with what it's accomplishing. And I mean, you you know the performances. That's something I really wanted to like. That's something I really thought about the second time around because I think yes, Aquafina is very good in the film, and I thought the grandma was very good in the film. But I think the other family members are really good as well. Yeah. Like I think I, you mentioned the mom. I think she's very good. Like there's, you're hearing like what I like about the farewell a lot is that even though you have Billy Aquafina's character as like the lead, and you're getting a lot of her perspective, it's not saying that she's right in feeling conflicted about this necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's giving you a lot of perspective. You get to think about. The mo- the mother Bill or um, uh, Gian, who she's you know she's that's her mother in law we're talking about and you right. can, you can, you you gather that their relationship hasn't always you know it's not been one that's like you know nothing but happiness like it's a mother in law character that totally that can, that, can, that can cause some strife every day and so it's you get to see you get to think about like 
where her position is on this as far as she's dying now and we've had a conflicted history at the same time i want to be able to do something like there's something there you have sima as her father mm-hmm. uh Rush Hour Seema, of course. <laughs> That's exactly the movie that I think about him all the time. And, and you, you, get, you see, like, hit the stress that he's having from this. You see a very sad, his brother, I, can't, I don't recall which character he is exactly, but, like, the, you get, like, a bit of him. Yeah. You, 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 there's, like, you get the, the, the sister of the grandmother. Like, there's so many characters here that you all kind of, you get to kind of see where they're at in all of this that I really appreciated. It, it really struck a chord as far as, like, how to handle a situation like this. And I do think it's very well made as far as getting you to that place to understand that that's just how life can be. And then you get a grunt, what I think is just such a wonderful coda to it all. Like it's really good. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that, that, and Peter, I, I know that you have some thoughts on this too. I, I will say that there's um, a really good balance of all the characters in this movie. Like what you were saying, Aaron, you know, the uncle has a really good scene where he gets to, play up his dramatic chops he gets a couple good scenes but the one that i'm thinking about is when he's smoking with like the dad and he explains syncography i was like this is a solid scene like this is what an actor wants to do you know what i mean like these are the scenes that they love and then the dinner scene with the mom and then um even like with the uh the sister uh the grandma's sister you know there's a scene at the dinner uh, or at the wedding dinner where she's got to explain that she's got some stuff that she had to let go of too and she's going to go back to it later but there's just a lot of of, of um, good balance, and that's sort of kind of like the overall meaning of like the Eastern Western thing as well. There's just uh, seemingly um, uh, this this you know, set of scales in place. But Peter, you had thoughts on this? You know, it's funny um, that scene that you're talking about. Uh, I did also really like the movie, uh, mm-hmm. and it's in my top five also. Um, and it's it's also a short film, like you yeah, uh, yeah. ready or not. It's only like ninety minutes, and I I did also appreciate the humor um, for what humor is there. I, I thought worked really well. I loved. Who, I'm sorry. Who plays the the matriarch, the grandmother? Shuzen uh, Zhao. Shuzen. Oh, she's she's terrific. Um, and but I will say that the the scene that I think you're talking about with the uncle, there is a moment where he says some he says something like his his monologue is beginning and he says something like this is the difference between east and west and when mm-hmm. he said that. I, I, I sort of like, I rolled a little, I was like, oh, I'm one of these speeches, you know, like, but actually it's a pretty effective speech. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know what? Actually, like what he's saying makes a lot of sense. And like, I, I get where he's coming from and everything. Um, but no, I, I mean, there really isn't, um, I, I didn't really have any criticism. I mean, it, you know, it's not the kind of movie that is like super visually lush or anything like that like if you're no not at all and that's actually one of the things that i wanted to you know you bring that up too and you usually see like uh import chinese films this is not an import i mean the lulu wang is pretty american but um you know when you see import chinese films you think about stuff like hero or like those jelly films where they're like beautiful and they're like these epic tales or you think about you know uh, other films like that are a bit grittier chinese like war stories one that came out recently that aaron and i have differences on or, or is it drug story or whatever the case is, but you know, yeah. those Hong Kong stories where they're grittier and this one's just like, this just everyday Chinese people. Just, just, and this is Korean, but just wait until you see um, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho's film. Oh my God. Is it, <laughs> is it a, is it a cop movie? No, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> okay. But, no, it's a, it's a, 
I mean, you want to talk about 1% and that this movie handles it really well as far yeah. as kind of class warfare. And it's hilarious. Okay. And there's so, like, it's great. Like, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't, like, <laughs> no, I'm not, not going to backpedal, like, you know, I don't know, Abe. You might like it. It's fucking great. Like, it's so good. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right. I'm going to be, I'm in my, it's up there now. I'm going to go see Parasite. And I'm going to be disappointed. Like, like, away. I, I'm very excited for the potential of Parasite to land some, like, major Oscar nominee. That'd be really cool to It'd see cool. for a foreign yeah. film like that. Because it's Bong Joon Ho is a filmmaker I really like. But, like, this movie, it won the Palme d'Or. It can, like, for good reason. And uh, like I, I, uh, Terrence was with me, we saw he, he's like, this is one of the best films I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> like, I mean, it's really good. He's the one film last year was burning, I think. So the yeah, guy was Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, um, the host, Memories of a Murder, uh, uh, Okja. I was gonna um, ask who did Okja. Yeah, yeah but it was, was, that was Bong Joon Ho. Only I've only mother. Seen, I've only seen two of his films, and I thought they were okay. Like, so I'm 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 very excited that you loved it though. So I'm glad. I just. Yeah, interesting. Um, just curious, as long as we're talking about, um, like, other, uh, you know, I guess, imports or whatever. Did, did you guys, did anybody see, is it called uh, Shadow or something? The Zhang Yimou movie? I have Shadow. I have Shadow. I have not watched it yet. I've been waiting go. for it. I've been so busy, <laughs> like, lately. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully watching it this week, actually. Cool. Yeah, I'm kind of curious because I love it. Um, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard. I mean, especially about the action. I've heard some terrific things, but I'm also just excited for the color idea of it because compared to Hero and House of Lying Daggers, which are well, all... wonderfully colorful films, this movie's operating entirely on blacks, whites, and grays. So right, really, right. Which that I... really intrigues me. Like, I'm really interested in what. No, me too. Is. Absolutely. Like, I'm really excited. Like, for a filmmaker like that, that's so focused on this kind of thing. Um, but going back to the farewell, yes, I, I farewell is one of my tops too. Like, a really, really just like. You know, it's understated, but at the same time, it, it's not afraid to have moments of like, you know, kind of loose joy and humor and everything. Yeah, and, yeah I thought it was really terrific. Good way to frame it, too. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we all like the farewell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, speaking to what, I mean, yeah, there is, it's something like the humor to it, like it works in, in that way. Like it, it makes it very likable and everything. Like it's not a downer to watch this movie where exactly. it's a matter, it really could be. But here I am saying I've watched it twice in theaters because one thing I wanted on to see it because I thought you'd really like it. And also, it just it's a good movie. It's 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 A24 is like only PG movie. And it's like, yeah, because oh, anyone. Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, think about it. What are they, what kind of films do you think when you think A24? I don't it's think of like family friendly comedies. Hereditary is pretty hilarious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that movie. Wait, I mean, that's Machina? What's, why is that rated? Oh, I guess there's nudity in that. So, like, and, 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 and violence. Blood. Yeah, there's some blood. <laughs> But, uh, even, also, but, but but even PG-13, there's some of those. There's no PG movies. That's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, okay, okay. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive, so good job. Ah. Uh, yeah, what, what else have you guys seen? Peter? I saw um, I saw Good Boys. Did you guys all see it? No. I have not had a chance. Wait, so you both have not? No, yeah. correct. So you're going to you're gonna uh, spoil everything I, for us, right? I was not. I... I was uh, I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel because like I thought the trailer looked very obvious, you know, and I was kind of like, eh, I get it, it's like the little kids potty mouth like uh, thing. Um, but no, no, I I enjoyed it. I I didn't love it. Like I really loved Booksmart. I thought Booksmart, and those are technically high high school kids, but I thought Booksmart was really terrific. This I felt was it probably is again, it's like a six or a seven, um, but like. The cast is good, and also, I will say, for a movie that in the marketing is very much pushing how foul-languaged the little kids are, and actually has a lot more heart than I was expecting. 
I'm, I'm by no, I am by no means saying it's like great or anything, but uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I I, I, was, I mean, hey. I, I, my sight unseen, I'll just say this does not surprise me, just given I know Rogan didn't write it, but Evan Evan, Evan, Evan Goldberg, all their films have very similar themes as far as like we're gonna do some outrageous stuff, but it's all gonna be about friendship. I mean, yeah, I, I get that. Like it's not. It's not too surprising to be like, oh, it has heart. It's like, yeah, that's that's kind of what they do. Like, it's good to, yeah, I mean, that is their that is their jam. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, I like this. I like it. Yeah. So about a six or a seven, Peter. About that. I, What's well, funny because like I saw that and then uh, I just got um, Booksmart on iTunes and so I started started watching the the started watching with the commentary with uh, Olivia Wilde, um, director Olivia Wilde, and I was watching certain scenes and man, I really love that movie. Like that's another one of my favorites. I think one of my it's it's up there in one of my top ten for the year too. Yeah, it's, it's it's good, but I think part of what helps it is that it feels like a movie that again is directed by somebody as opposed to what I'm assuming Good Boys in, where is however funny it might be, it still looks like Universal Studio comedy where there's not much identity in as far no, as no. I would who, yes, I would definitely. It's like Gene Stupnitsky and Lee Eisenberg, I think, right? The guys that like did like they wrote Year One and they. Wrote, like I think they're involved in some of Paul Feig's movies. Like, it's not much. I mean, those are the kind of guys that are like, yeah, we'll shoot it broad daylight, whatever. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing going on yeah. much <laughs> as far as like what kind of uh, you know American comedies directorially don't have much going on. So it's always neat. That's why I like like Jonathan Levine films tend to work pretty well for me because he seems like a guy with a good eye, like Long Shot and Fifty Fifty and even Warm Bodies. Like they all feel like you know movies to an extent oh, I mean, yeah actually that's a good point yeah yeah i forgot about that guy i did like those uh, wait what has he done after warm bodies Jonathan long shot this year oh and, i did uh, like long shot yeah yeah and, yeah uh, the the night before the christmas one of joseph gordon levin and seth rogan and Mackey, and um was it the schumer one snatched oh that was not that great yeah that's, is that's that the one with uh goldie hahn goldie hahn Goli yeah okay yeah it was kind of a mess um but <laughs> But, but no, no, but the other ones I do, I, I did like. And and you're right, book smart, especially for the genre, you know, teen comedy type of thing. It's, it's, it is, its visuals are a lot more, like, um, intentional uh, and stuff. And so it, it, it does have a, uh, like, a director's eye, you know. Yeah, that's the difference. You know, it's an A24 film versus Universal. And it, it also helps comedy. that Caitlin and uh, Beanie look like high school students. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, and they're great. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're great. And Billy, Billy Lord is a great MVP. You know, they say that like she's, she's a really good support. Yeah, she, she even spooked me out. Cause I was like, how is this person appearing in all these places? It was great. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. And uh, definitely one of the, one of the better airport scenes in my, in, in the, the cinematic universe of airport scenes. Yes. I would um, let me talk about angel has fallen. Yeah. I got a really, Wait, is really Olympus, excited to hear this. Is Olympus. The first one. Yes. Yes. This is the third one, right? This, this is the third, third one. one in the what? unlikely trilogy. Exactly. Gerard Butler has fallen movies. Jamie What's Fox the other one? Channing Tatum. London has fallen. London. Okay, that's the other one. Okay. That's that's the worst one and one of the worst movies of that's... this decade. <laughs> <laughs> that's saying something because uh, you know we see a lot of movies. Um, yeah. The so this one. Okay, so to back up. Olympus has fallen is fine. Like I had an okay time with it. It does what it does. It's just a harder core version of White House Down, which came out months later. White House Down is superior. It's more fun. Uh, but Olympus has fallen is like, all right, it, it does what it does. It's whatever. They made the sequel. London has fallen. 
which is god awful. It's not only is it just like a bad action movie, but it's well, also it's like racist movies I've ever seen in my it's life. Hor- it's horribly racist and xenophobic, and so it's directed like, oh. by a guy who's Middle Eastern. Yeah, which just makes it especially confusing. Yes. <laughs> um, so this one, thankfully, because of the plot, it has to dial back those. In fact, it's actually reverse everything that's going on in London is Fallen, because this time around, it's like, America's the one that's, like, in the wrong, and it even, like, mentions things like election tampering, and Russia is, like... Very current like, events! Yeah, it, but it does so in such a, like, numbskullish kind of way, where it's, like, it's still not good. Like, this movie's <laughs> still bad. Like, it's not... It, just because, like, they reverse the politics, it's still, like, it's still made in the same vein as the other movies, and so it still has this, like, this weird way of handling its edge where people like swear and there's bloody violence but then they're like you know they're trying to be like yeah but look at our liberal morgan freeman president we have here and like it's just it's just <laughs> like it's it's not in the way like because you have morgan freeman as the president this time around he's been promoted from speaker speaker um speaker, speaker, of, the speaker of the house uh but you also have tim blake nelson on the other side and he's like no president like morgan freeman would ever assign tim blake nelson to be your vice president like they're so conflicting in how they would handle things there's no way that like this is the guy you'd have ride your ticket to come to office like it just doesn't make any kind of sense um so it be so from the end that but i mean with all that no one's you know the appeal of the series isn't really coming from the fact that its politics are in the right place or not like that's not what the hardcore has fallen fan base or the fallers as i call them like i don't think that's what they're coming to see i mean they're coming to see like gerard butler scowling his way through action sequences and mm-hmm. it's like it's just kind of whatever on all that there's nothing intriguing about it there's nothing new about it you have like the plot is so dim as far as you they frame gerard butler's secret service agent because like they launched this elaborate drone attack that's like the most elaborate assassination attempt I've ever seen on a president. But then also by framing Gerard Butler, the reason they catch him is because everyone else died and somehow Gerard Butler, who once again orchestrated the most elaborate drone attack I've ever seen, but was also apparently dumb enough to leave like hair and blood samples all over the van that was conveniently parked next to the site. Well, that's how you usually do it. (laughs) But it's like, who who buys into this? Where they're like, well, clearly it must have been this guy, the idiot that could both do this amazing thing, but also be dumb enough to leave hair everywhere. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me to be like, uh, so you have that. Hey man, have you ever heard of Occam's razor? If it's, uh, you know, the most, uh, most obvious answer is is the answer. Yeah. (laughs) yeah i've heard of occam's razor but like the problem is they have uh what's her name uh jada pinkett smith is like the fbi agent in charge okay that's too big of a name for her to be a good guy and it's what's it no it's like it's such it's such a like nothing role with like i guess i just have to make the audience buy into this bullshit that we're all against gerard butler now and it's like whatever (laughs) and danny houston walks on the screen you're like well he's the bad guy obviously when is he the good guy (laughs) (laughs) the highlight of this movie is nick nolte who comes in as gerard butler's grizzled veteran father who keeps off the grid and he has like a bunch of explosives set up around his log cabin so it's just an excuse for gerard butler and nick nolte to like riff on each other for a while and also blow up bad guys and like apparently his scenes must have tested so well because there's an after credit scene of him and Nick Nolte just hanging out again and like doing some random stuff. And it's so like, it's so like, bad. like drinking beers kind of thing. No, like they're well, because he's like he's he's like an estranged father. And yeah. like we, and, and Gerard, Gerard Butler's been 
Also, <laughs> this movie, like, pays no reference to the fact that Gerard Butler has previously saved the president twice in two different movies. It has, like, you could walk into this movie thinking it's the first one. Like, you wouldn't realize it's a third <laughs> film. But regardless, you're supposed to still believe that Gerard Butler suffers, like, PTSD and has migraines because of all the damage he's done to his body over the years. Mm-hmm. Which only comes into play before he gets into any action sequence where nothing ever bothers him ever again. Uh, but so by the end of the movie, you have Gerard Butler and Nick Nolte being like, we got to fix our heads up. We're both crazy inside. And they, so they go to like a, a spa meditation treatment thing. And it's, it's just weird. It's like, <laughs> why is this in this movie? Why is this weird comedy? I mean, they, they had to show them at ease. <laughs> so you're telling me that Aaron Eckert turned down a, a paycheck to, to, you know, be in more serious movies. Well, I mean, Olympus is Fallen came out in 2013 and I mean, he can't be president for that many years. It's true. This is true. I mean, I'm you're making me fearful here, but yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I mean unless they, unless they change, unless hey, they're hey, let's not say anything. Unless they're repealing the Twenty Second Amendment. <laughs> well, where would you? Well, where would you our civics lessons out of the way. What, what were you saying? Where, where would you tell people to see it? You don't need to. Like it's oh wow. <laughs> Wait, you, you, said, you said it's not the worst one. You said the second's the worst one. Yeah, but it's still a bad movie. Oh, not even Nick Nolte gets in this movie, huh? If it's on, like, HB, if it's on TBS, and it's like, all right, why not? Like, sure, go for it. What's the, what was, nuts. Is it worse? I know this is going to sound strange, but it's only because of uh, Gerard Butler. Is it worse than uh, Geostorm? Well, Geostorm is hilarious. Well, Geostorm, for one thing, you're supposed to yell it and raise your arm in the air when and you say Geostorm. And Ed Harris is the vice president in that movie. <laughs> Ed Harris is the vice president that has a rocket launcher in his trunk. In his trunk. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. do the dirty work to become president. Like, that movie is more inherently fun because of how goofy the the premise is to begin with. It doesn't really get as much fun as it needs to be until, like, the second half. But, I mean, Gerard Butler goes to space, so that's going to win every time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can, fair right. enough. Like, uh, fair good enough. Like, <laughs> I mean, I only saw the first Olympus one, and then I had heard the second was terrible, and then the third one, it was like you and some other fellow critics I saw on Facebook were all going to this. And I was like, wait, is this a thing? And I was like, am I supposed to be excited about this? But apparently, no, I was going because it's the screening of the movie that came out this week. <laughs> like, <it's... laughs> like, so I was like, all right. It's like, um, yeah. Uh, and actually, I think I did like what it's funny. I remember, I think, talking to um, Luke Y. Thompson uh, person. Has he ever been on the show? Yes, yes, he has. yeah, he's been on. He hated uh, White House Down, and he liked. Wait, is it Olymp- Wait, what's the first one? Olympus is Fallen. He liked Olympus is Fallen. He's like, oh, way better. And I remember being like, really? Yeah, like, that that sounds pretty Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being like, really? I'm like, I thought White House Down was, I mean, just you know, kind of silly, dumb, entertaining. Like I didn't, you know, I was silly. Yeah, so, um, you know, wait, wait. Just as long as we're here, I'm just curious. What do you guys think of Gerard Butler? Is his work as an actor, like, I, I'm not a huge 300 guy, so I don't know if there's a Gerard Butler movie where I'm like, he's just so good, I'm like, or, or entertaining. I don't mm-hmm. I mean, even 300, which I am a fan of, it's not one where I'm like, it's because of Gerard Butler that it's amazing. I think he's very good in it, forget yeah. what he's required to do there, but it's not one where I'm like, oh my god. If not for Gerard Butler, this would be a train wreck. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that's the evidence is that they made a second one without him, and that one's also pretty decent. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. There you go, actually. <laughs> actually, I did not mind the 300 sequel. You're exactly. Right. Um, yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, as far like that's not a bad question. <laughs> yeah, like, I would say. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Aaron. I mean, by by default, it's the How to Train Your Dragon movies. 
I was going to say those. And, and to be honest, like Gerard's a pretty funny guy. So and, I mean, the other one. Yeah, I know what you're thinking, Abe. Rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, where oh, he's like, playing, seen... like these like goofy, lighthearted, like tiny mobster type roles. Those are fun. I mean, this is one of those things where he started out with 300 as his, his big break and he was buff and gruff. So they made him, they, the they kind of down. like rolled him. <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of like rolled with that with him. And, you know, they try to make him a romantic lead in all these like uh, romantic comedies, like P.S. I Love You and whatever else. The but ugly truth. Like, yeah, but he's he's a funny guy. He's a small like character actor guy. And can he lead a movie? Sure. But, you know, he's well, funny. He's better in other things. I think what separates, I mean, the, the, there's a common thread between um, How to Train a Dragon and Rock and Roll, among others. He gets to be Scottish in those movies. That's true. Which is why Gods of Egypt is also great for him. Does he is he a Scottish Egyptian god? Yes, that movie is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> who's the bad guy in that? Nikolai College Col- or no, actually no, Nikolai's the, the, the good guy. guy right? No, Gerard yeah. Butler's the bad guy. Who's who's the uh the hero that we're following? It's the, the guy signals, from the signals. The right? signals Brenton Thwaites, yes! of course. <laughs> yes. There you go. No, I I mean that movie I'm not I'm not a like Scott Mendelson, he's a big fan of that movie. I'm not a big fan of that movie. Yeah. I think it has some goofy stuff that works occasionally, but it's not like good overall. No, but as far as Gerard Butler goes, I mean as far as like an actor in movies, I don't mind him, but yeah, there's not like a signature butler role where I'm like, this is the movie that like made him amazing. Like I think Rock and Roll, like we said, Abe and I are both fans of that film. And I think it's just because everyone it's it's a it's kind of a hangout movie. Like that yeah. you get to have Idris Elba and Gerard Butler being their nat in their natural accents, just kind of like being skeevy criminals, and it's Wait, fun. Idris Elba's in it. Maybe yeah. So is Tom Hardy. So there's a bunch of there's people. There's a lot works. of people. In Mark that movie. Strong, Tom Wilkinson, Toby Kebbell, friend of the show, Toby Kebbell, <laughs> Chris Ludacris Bridges, of course. Well, it's funny because I have a friend who she is always telling me she's like, "You've got to watch Rock and Roll." On I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't like Guy Ritchie movies. And she's like, "No, just give it a chance." This like is, this is a good Guy Ritchie movie. I'll this... put it, I mean, I think, I think Abe and I's like for Rock and Roll is the same as the like that a lot of people seem to have for Man from Uncle. Because that movie has, it has a following. I'm not as big on it as yeah, other people are, but I, but I feel like, but I feel like the kind of, the, what we express for Rock and Roll is what a lot of people seem to express for Man from Uncle. Which is weird because I've been seeing that love kind of manifest itself much more recently. And I was like, I didn't know that people love this movie as much because it's a big fan base for that movie for whatever reason. But if you ever, uh, you know, uh, go to Aaron's house or whatever, check out Rock and Roll. I guess I'm bringing you Rock and Roll and the Iron Giant. (laughs) (laughs) Which they're they're both about the same quality. No, I'm kidding. Well, no, one's better than the other. (laughs) One's more fun, though. Uh, With all that, uh, Aaron, what else uh, have you seen? Um, what else have I seen that or, I need to get or, into right away as we yeah. keep the show going longer than we thought no. it was probably going to go? I think I think there's only one more. It might have been Peter uh, about Brittany Runs a Marathon. Oh, oh I, I got well, I got two. Okay, because okay. I've I've seen both of these. But yeah, I'll, I'll mention Brittany Runs a Marathon first. This is the film of Jillian Bell. It came out this weekend. Um, it's good. Um, it's it, Jillian Bell plays a, a a woman who she finds herself overweight and like in kind of a struggle with her life currently, and so she starts to run. And over time, she becomes a better runner, and she realizes, what if we ran a marathon? She makes some friends and what have you. And you get basically a pretty sweet movie. It's a little bit, like, it's a little bit too, like, somewhat, like, after-school specially at times as far as Brittany learns this lesson today, and Brittany learns that lesson today. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the film, I think, both because it's quite funny and just because of the where it naturally goes as far as the story it's trying to tell, it, it earns the kind of sentimental moments that it ends up going for. 
Um, and it's just, well, like you have other people in here too. A little Rel Howery is in this movie giving not just a funny performance. Like he, he, he acts. And I, I appreciated that. Um, you have, who's the character? It's the, it's, um, Ertkarsh Ambukhtkar. He he was in Blind Spotting last year. He's the character that tells the story of what David Diggs went through. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. I I I, I assume he's a stand-up. Um, but I've seen but him in many things too. He's yes. popped up in things. Like he plays like the basically like the love interest character of the movie. Like there's a lot of like good character actor stuff in here, and the movie overall it's just it's a it's a nice movie. Like mm-hmm. it, it it does its job. Uh, so that was one I. I was, I was happy to see, but the, another one that I saw this weekend, or that I saw Friday, Thursday night, because I got the stream, I got the screen streamer, and I was excited. It's called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, this is a, this is the last movie that won't move on. This is the last movie I'll talk. It's it's a um, it's a Spanish horror film. Um, it came, it was around in festivals like last year, and Guillermo del Toro was hot on it, and I guess Stephen King was as well. So they're on like the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see why, because it adheres to everything Del Toro does. Like it, it gave, like even though it's set in modern times, it gave me a lot of like Devil's Backbone vibes, as far as like his oh, kind of interesting horror-ish films involving youths, but it's all, but it's also dealing with like events going on at the time, because his films are like Spanish Civil War, with that and Pan's Labyrinth, of course. This movie's it's set in Mexico, and it deals with these orphans that are all like, okay. That's already bad. But but they're but they're like <laughs> deal, yeah, they're dealing with like. The fact that there's like these drug dealers and drug cartels like around them, mm. and how they have to contend with that. Mm-hmm. The the main story revolves around this um, young girl who she has an imaginative an imaginative mind. She's told to like make fairy tales in her school, and based off events, she basically becomes amongst these other orphan kids, and they have to deal with like these drug dealers that want something and what have you. But you get a lot of like fairy tale imagery that's kind of following her around as well, and it's it's like it's like eighty something minutes. It's but it's really moody. It's really well directed. The actors apparently were all like given pages on the day, so because they're all kids, they're all like ten years old and younger, mm-hmm. and so like the the kind of the way that they're acting around stuff feels pretty authentic because you're like you're getting you're getting to see like innocence essentially in, amidst like some dark stuff. Yeah. So where can I see this? Um, I know it's produced by Shutter. It's in limited release now, and so it'll probably be like streaming there eventually, if not streaming elsewhere, because I know Shutter like wants to get the word out on movies mm-hmm. like this, because they're they're a, compared to Netflix, they're a smaller streaming company. So like, if I I I think it's available on that service, I'm not entirely sure, but I know it's in limited release in LA right now. Well, Got it. Will spread a little wider, but Tigers okay. are not afraid. It's quite good. I was I was really impressed by this. Movie. Glad to hear. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds really good. Yeah. And that's all. I, I mean, I watched Avengers Endgame again. Cause well, we've right. talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that Thor, for me, is the MVP of that movie. Uh, but for regardless, Thor. Thor yeah. For Thor. For Thor. Yeah. Pat Thor. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's get some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Here's where we go to the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com says on podcast. We ask a number of questions to the listeners. They give us answers, and they give us some questions that we can answer. This first question we have here is, why is Gerard Butler always scowling? <laughs> Christopher writes because he's trapped in awful movie franchises like this. Yeah, kind of. That's that's probably the reason. <laughs> he does a lot of scowling. He does. Yeah. Did either of you guys see Den of Thieves? By the way. No, but I keep on hearing great things about it about how bad good it is. I just heard it was bad. So you're hearing bad good? It's like bad fun good, right? It's it's two and a half hours. <laughs> that's a long movie for any movie. Yeah, it's a two and a half hour like. 
what if we did heat but bad? Like, <laughs> so you're saying I should still watch it? <laughs> I, I like the first twenty minutes are great, and the last twenty minutes are pretty great. Then there's two hours in the middle, and there's stuff that like O'Shea Jackson's fun in it. Gerard Butler's way over the like. Think of it. Think of how over the top Al Pacino is in Heat, <laughs> and then be like, but what if he was Gerard Butler? And that's what you get. <laughs> uh, now you're making me want to watch this like immediately. So, so it's, I mean, if you want to see Br- Butler, like, I think I said this on a dad's movie corner. He, cause I gave him the movie to watch. Like, watch this. It's like heat, but not. And he's like, all right. And he did. And he's like, well, that movie was okay, but Gerard Butler needed to be toned down. That was his reaction to that movie. <laughs> that was my, that was my favorite reaction. It's a very practical answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know who's surprisingly good at it though? 50 Cent. 50 Cent's kind of really? great in this movie. He, okay. like, gives an actual performance. <laughs> well, I hear that there might be a Den of Thieves, too, so I have to catch up on this They're one. making a Den of Thieves. I can't tell you what it is because there are things that happen at Den of Thieves that are kind of surprising. Uh, so you gotta kind of, you gotta see it. I'll so watch can... it. I'll report back next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Wait, you'll, you'll watch. Isn't, is, is it true that 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson, he's also a director now, right, for years? I mean, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised. does that show Power, right? I'm sure he, you know. That's his probably, show? Probably, I know he produces it. Okay. Like, okay. So like, I, I just assume he was like pretty much in charge. Like, it seems like everything. I have no idea what that show is. I just know it's called Power and Fifty Cent's involved. I don't even think he stars in it. I think he's just like involved in some. Way. Yeah, sometimes he's on the show. He guess he guest stars sometimes. What were you a Power guy? <laughs> I mean, I do love Tommy. Tommy who? is the guy who who uh, he's the white guy in the show. Who plays Tommy? He's the the guy from um, uh, Jack Reacher. He's the guy that that writes Get Jack Reacher. He's that guy. He's a good actor. <laughs> I have no idea what power is about. <laughs> it also has um, what's his face from uh, from Thank You for or Thank What's the Lickie Sanfield movie uh, about him being sorry, sorry to bother, sorry to bother Omari Hardwick. It's yeah, Omari Hardwick is in it. Yeah. So anyway, it's crime boss family, family in Chicago kind of thing. Uh, next question here. <laughs> why do we get off? Why are we talking about? Power? I know that you didn't know I know so much about power. <laughs> Uh, next question here. What actors seem perfectly suited for playing the president in the movie, good or corrupt? Irene writes Michael Douglas in The American President, and Stephen writes Jeff Bridges in The Contender, and Dennis Haysbert in 24. Who now? Like, I, my main my main thought was, like, so who now do you currently think, like, this guy should be the president in the movie? Uh, hmm, that's a good question. Like, in a dramatic role, or are we talking to, like, Regardless, whatever. I mean, we got Bob Odenkirk this year as president. That was fun. That was actually. I mean, he's 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 good. He wanted to be the first president that went from president to acting. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like how he's repeating his lines from the Tilvin show, just like as uh, they're having a meeting. Um, I will say, I mean, you know, Charlize Theron was in that movie too. I think she, well, she does become president, right? I mean, spoilers. <laughs> Long shots. <laughs> um. I'd also add in, uh, what's his face, uh, Brian Cranston, even though he played uh, LBJ in the HBO movie. But he, he seems like a, he'd be a, a good president. Uh-huh. Um, I'd also want to throw in there, to be honest, have we seen uh, Forrest Whitaker as president? I mean, he was the president of that African country. In that yeah, movie but won an Oscar that, for. that's where he won the Oscar, and that was, that was great, but... I mean, no, I, he's only been the butler in Lee Daniels, Lee Daniels, the butler. That's as close as he's gotten to the Oval Office. Yeah, he's got to interact with various mm-hmm. presidents, such as President Robin Williams, President John Cusack, and President uh, Tom Wilkinson. <laughs> 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 and then the last one I'll say is, um, uh, why not, Alfred Molina. 
Alfred Molina. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> President Al. Dude, that guy's a great. He's a great actor. <laughs> yeah. uh, our next question we have here: What actors do you always associate with playing villains? Irene writes Christopher Lee. Christopher writes Jason Isaacs. Isaac writes, that would be funny if that was true, right? Um, uh, <laughs> Justin writes Danny Trejo. Uh, Christopher adds again Sean Bean. Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes Jordan Grout. Always Jordan Grout. <laughs> uh, Tammy writes Christopher Walken. Jason writes Willem Dafoe until John Wick, where he became Willem DeFriend. That's that's what no, I, le- I left at that answer. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah. The, the people that I always associate with playing a villain, I mean, you guys named uh, Willem Dafoe, but... Um... Christopher Walken is kind of making What's that? I don't, I don't. I don't think. I mean, I think of villainous roles he's played, but I don't necessarily directly think of Willem Dafoe. I, I think it's because he's got like the really good devil face, Joker, the Joker yeah. smile, Joker, Joker face and smile. But I mean, he's he's a great actor, to be honest. And I'm really because well, looking... I think of him like in Platoon or like well, other movies he's where just, he's also that's like sad ending for him in Platoon. Yeah, but he's like, I mean, he's been around for many decades, and I, he's been in a lot of different roles where. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. I mean, I, I know we're no, saying. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but I think people kind of just associate Willem Dafoe. They think of, like, R-rated movies where he's got a gun in his hand. I don't know. I asked this question because Danny Houston's in Angel Has Fallen. And, like, it was I, that was he's a bad guy. He's, but even, like, in the trailer, he doesn't even – he didn't even show up in the trailer, or I missed him. But just saying his name in the credits, I'm like, well, he's the bad guy. And sure enough. I don't know if there's, like, a, an actor these days, like, within the past, like, 19 years here in the 20, 21st century. Danny Houston. <laughs> like he's he's yeah, the most yeah, yeah. untrustworthy person you can get. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Although, to I be mean, fair. Jason Isaacs is a good one. Like, I mean, he doesn't tend to play, like, good people. The only one I can think of right now is Black Hawk Down, where he was an American soldier. Well, he's what? He's Malfoy's dad. I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. He's like, he's he's kind of like a bad guy in all the... Are you saying the only, the only time you can think of him as good is yeah, Black Hawk Down? Yeah, is, is Black Hawk Down, where he's like, you know, he's he's not a bad guy, but he's kind of aggressive towards them, some other soldiers in that movie, uh-huh. too. Why did Danny Trejo come up? Like, <laughs> I guess because you think of him in Machete, and even though he you... saves the world, and but then you probably think of him in... Um, the Nintendo Banderas one, right? Uh, yeah, Desperado's the only time where I can think he's like out and out. Like, I mean, yeah, I know he's played bad guys, but I, when I look at Danny Trejo, I just think like usually like side character or something that or Machete at this point. <laughs> Peter, anybody come to mind? Any actor come to mind? No, I can't think of it. I mean, that's I was I I do think the um, oh uh, along with Danny Houston, what's the other guy? Is it Mark Strong? Is he the guy? Yeah, Mark Strong. There we go. Mark yeah, he's Strong. another kind of person. It's like, oh, he's always the bad guy. Like, so that would be another one, I guess. It's, like, it's either he's a bad guy or a mean boss, like in Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. He's mean, mean boss. boss. Like, go get me these targets. <laughs> oh, uh, what about? Um, although he was great in um, uh, Captain Marvel. Is it Ben Mendelsohn? Oh, Ben Mendelsohn. There we go. He's always always slimy. Well, he plays slimy guys. Well, now now we're getting to some good answers here. He plays like, what about Scoot McNary, too? Yeah, they play skeezy, slimy guys, but not necessarily bad guys. Scoot McNary's a good call on that, because they're both been killing them softly. (laughs) Yeah, which is a great movie. But Ben Mendelsohn, I mean, that was one of my favorite articles I wrote when I wrote for Rant, was top ten, like, slimiest Ben Mendelsohn roles. (laughs) I mean, he always looks sweaty. Yeah. Like the only time All he's right. not looking sweaty is when he's uh, in the galaxy with a cape. Exactly. What's the next question? The next question is, what are some best father-son castings you've seen in movies? Jerry writes Will and Jaden Smith in Pursuit of Happiness. And Todd has Will, uh, Christopher Walken and, and DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can. 
Father-son things. What are some father-son movies I've seen? Father-son <laughs> movies. Why I feel so stumped right now because of this question? <laughs> you got Finding Nemo, but you don't really know who the voice of Nemo, or of Nemo is. Well, the Perdition. Godfather had some real, um, <laughs> some real like go-getters <laughs> as, his, as his progeny. <laughs> Let's just say Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade to move on. Let's just get that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There you go. Indiana. Indiana. Let it go. I can't do Scottish. Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> We named the dog Indiana. Um, all right. Happy birthday, Sean Connery, by the way. Uh, 89. 89. 89. He's up there. Um, what are some films you enjoy that involve playing deadly games? Christopher writes, I enjoyed the Hunger Games franchise for the most part, particularly Catching Fire. Irene writes, Running Man and Escape Room. Running Man is a great answer. Escape Room underrated. Not perfect, but, but uh, actually I like that. The Escape Room stuff is good. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's not a perfect movie, but I mean, that one that the weird upside down diner move sequence is great. That's the best part of the whole. Oh, yeah, again, like the chunk of the movie that involves escape rooms is good. Like, that's the <laughs> stuff you want to see, and it delivers on that. It just unfortunately has some stuff after it. And yeah, I would like, agree. Yeah, that's less good. But... Now, question no spoilers, please, because I haven't seen it. But is Did Game Night. the room? No, no. Is Game Night considered a deadly game movie? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, Dead Game Night. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't. Because it's in it. It's inadvertently a deadly game movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like the Saw movies. I mean, these aren't my favorite. Well, I mean, he's asking but... if they want to play a game. Yeah, they, they were playing Pretty games. obvious. Yeah. Games. Yeah. yeah. Next question here. What are some films showing the super rich as awful people that you enjoy? Christopher writes The Rules of the Game, Godsford Park, Dangerous Liaisons, The House of Mirth, The Age of Innocence, Cruel Intentions, The Exterminating Angel, Howard's End, The Little Foxes, the Magnificent Ambersons, Wall Street, and many more. I normally don't just write a list, but as I started to think about it, too many films came to mind. And lastly, Justin has seems like uh, seems like seems like Get Out may fit this. Uh, also, Dang- Django Unchained. I was gonna say the Django Unchained. What an idiot. <laughs> um, huh, Scarface, <laughs> <laughs> The Wolf of Wall Street. Did you get answers? The favorite? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's directly involving the, the queen, right? <laughs> so. I mean, there's some... There's Super some I mean, yeah. well, even, like, Nicholas Holt's character, like, they're all, like, wearing those... All the, everyone wearing powdered wigs in that movie or, like, doing some... some First stuff. of all, when, when have you seen a movie where the guy who wears a powdered wig is not a nice guy? <laughs> <laughs> American Psycho? He's got to go return some videotapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Billy Zane and Titanic. <laughs> he was... Was he gonna Was he gonna make those kids get out of the boat? I gave her my coat. <laughs> I left the diamond in the coat! It's <laughs> pretty good Billy Zane. I think that's pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you. That's yeah. Trading Places? That one... Yeah, well, he learns that super rich people are pretty awful in that movie, so I would, I would agree. Well, I mean, you have, he learns you pretty have, quickly too because he has that well, first. Yeah, you house. have you have Ralph Bellamy and the other guy like staging the whole thing to begin with. <laughs> like they're awful. Yeah, they are awful for a dollar, no less. 
Wait, is that is is that uh, is coming to America an early version of the MCU thing? Well, technically, it's after Trading Places because they're broken that one, right? No, but, it, but well, he's a, he's asking because there is shared universe. There yeah, is universe. It, it, is, it esta- is a shared universe. But as, I've, as, as I've established plenty of times, Godzilla is the original. <laughs> Godzilla and the Universal monster movies are all sharing characters beforehand. So there, you there you go. go. True. 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 Yeah. Let alone like Kevin Smith's movies, they're all in the same universe. I mean, so gonna, there's gonna be a new one coming out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the next question, Aaron? Uh, it's who are some actors who do sarcasm incredibly well in movies? This is based off Adam Adam Brody's character in uh, Ready or Not. Uh, Scott writes Bill Murray. Justin has Deadpool slash Ryan Reynolds. Bill Murray is probably the only answer <laughs> that you really need. Sure. Yeah. Charles Grodin came to mind. I thought. Oh uh, yeah. Charles sure. Grodin. Okay. Yeah. Well, now let's move on to questions that the audience asks us. Peter, feel free to chime in because you're on the panel today. Justin asks us, do you think people in general are trying to find issues with movies just to complain? My friend and I have been talking about this on several occasions. We both seem to agree. Uh, just make a good movie. Also, what exactly does panned mean when they talk about movies? Let's answer that second one. Let's, let's answer that second one first. Panned. Like a movie's gotten panned. Oh, so I mean, yeah, negative reviews. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's like a majority of people think it's bad i mean that's what it comes down to like it's panned panned by the critics or panned by audiences as far as like people don't like this <laughs> like like yeah. that's what and, and in a majority sort of way i mean that's the best way i don't know if, i don't know whatever the other discrepancy there is is probably the word panned i think that's just like a universally unloved this is the best mm-hmm. way to say it right as far as this first question do you think people try to find issues with movies i'm gonna i'll say I think there's two ways to say this. I'm going to say no in a general way as far as audiences that go to pay to see a movie. I think yes as far as people on the internet that like to talk about movies yet that don't see them. Yeah, I would agree. I think people that go to pay and see a movie generally want to see a good movie. They're not looking to find reasons to be mad at it because why would they spend money on that? That's why cinema scores are on such a curve when I think about them. Because you're not you're not often seeing something that has like a D or a C. You're generally seeing... A, A minus, B plus, B, B minus. Unless and, marketing threw them off like months. Yeah, like, yeah, unless it's some like wild swing that really makes it like, oh, this, you know, this this horror movie ended, it made me mad. So therefore, D. Like, right, right. But like, <laughs> I would agree. But like, but like a perfectly average movie can get a B plus or an A minus because that generally gave the audience exactly what they're expecting. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they, they, you can't grade it that same way as far as like, a, Peter, you're saying like a six or seven out of ten. That's the equivalent to like a B plus or an A minus in terms of that. So when I when I think general people, I think yeah, they're paying to see this movie. They're probably going to get what they want out of it when it's like an MCU movie or any other blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's they they want to like that movie. I will say um, I gotta say that um, just curious of your friends or coworkers. One thing I've noticed that drives me crazy, and I do have a person I work with that does this, and so. I'm hoping he's not indicative of everyone, but <laughs> people who like it, it's uh, Aaron sort of uh, centered with the whole not seeing it where they'll read summaries or think pieces and then they feel like they're like this weird expert and they have this opinion on something that they don't like and this is just wrong. And then I'll be like, oh, well, is there anything you liked about it? Then they're like, "Oh, I never saw it," and I'm like, "What the? <laughs> and I'm like, stop talking." I'm like, Don't, "Like, then why are you in this conversation? Like that mm-hmm. that drives me crazy." Like, well, I it's don't... it's been hitting me a lot lately. If like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where the conversation seems to revolve around entirely the 
very brief sequence involving Bruce Lee in a two-hour and 45-minute movie. It's like, all right, there's conversation to be had, but is that the only thing you want to talk about? As I think there's plenty of movie here that is worth exploring or Probably, talking about. Probably uh, two hours by. and 40 minutes worth of movie. Yeah, so it's like, what, what, how how much focus do I need to put on something that seems like problematic because of 2019 compared to what is it doing in the rest of this movie as a whole and what is the rest of this movie doing? Well, being an investigative journalist, I have to ask you both here. <laughs> I really do. How much have you been paid to write a negative review? Please be honest. <laughs> write a negative review? Oh, that's <laughs> but, I mean, like I agree with you guys both that you, people aren't going in to, to watch movies to find bones to pick. I mean, they arise as you watch the movie, whether that mm. I mean, these are all subjective because a person might like comedies more or they might like, um, you know, some uh, tent poles more. So people will have different tastes. This is why what you should do as an audience member or a viewer or anybody else and consumes these types of things is you find people that have sort of uh, the same sort of style that you do and you read what they write and you can kind of uh, you're kind of voiced through them. So. This happened with me and Roger Ebert, right? I didn't really agree with Cisco all, all that much. I mean, some of the stuff that he said, I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, uh, he hates, like, every kid's movie ever made kind of thing. And I was like, this is this is not who I, I uh, listen to. So well, I started reading Roger, Roger Ebert, and Roger Ebert was voicing these things that I found that I also liked about movies. So that's how you do it. And this is how I do things with other things, too, like other podcasts or other news articles and whatever else, you know, I'll find people that I like and that, that I pay attention to. And that's how I, I uh, get some of my reviews. To look at Justin's question a little bit more, because I, what I think part of what he's, I mean, he's asking like, are people just trying to find things to, you know, find problematic. So, yeah. And I think part of what he's asking also is like, sometimes you get, there are people that are talking about movies based off of like what they're not doing or what's not being represented or what have you. And he, and then, you know, cause his, the last part of a sentence says, like, just make a good movie. There is value in raising concerns about certain things with films as far as the optics go, or as far as just where we are and how we could be casting things or how who could be directing stuff or what sure. have you. And obviously, yes, you want a, a good movie is like the ultimate goal here. At the same time, we are at a point where even after, you know, decades of having an established system, there are ways to change it to improve it ideally for the better. And I, I do think there there is reason to raise concern in, when it comes in certain cases at the same time, I, I don't find, I'm not one that wants to complain about a final product necessarily. I can complain about the system that led to a sure. final product, but like le the actual movie I get, yes, of course anyone wants it to be good. And, and I really want to uh, pick back up that very quickly. And then Peter, you can definitely have uh, your share. Um, what I want to say is that it's not so much about just making a good movie, but it's really about making your own movie. And what I mean by that, Aaron and I talk about this a lot. We talk about this during like our Christmas specials because that's when the the uh, season uh, awards uh, movies come out. But it's like you start to get a flavor of like, yeah, directors who really want to make their own stuff. Those are the movies that I really appreciate the most. It might not be the best, but it's stuff that like you know you see first man. I mean, we just talked about it earlier. Raimi has a stamp in Spider Man Three. What ruined it is a studio saying, "Hey, we want you to create this other character and then make this like uh, make this fight with uh, with Spider-Man." It's like that's not what Raimi probably originally intended to do. But even if he did, he had a different vision for it. But you see stuff like First Man or Whiplash, where it's like, dude, Chazelle just wants to make his own movie, um, and he's gonna do it. And the product is it is what it is. I've really come to appreciate First Man much more uh, after its release. 
But during the time, I was like, you know, I, I get what he's going for here. But then afterward, I was like, man, this is such a deep, dark depiction of, like, human sorrow and human agony. And I was like, I really, I'm kind of bummed out that it got, quote unquote, panned, like what you write, Justin. It got good. I mean, it got like It, it got fine. Like, yeah, but people, people were, like, kind of thinking, like, the right well, stuff. Co- I like, think the complaints were over the top. I mean, the complaints yeah. were talking about a movie that you're not but getting. It, essentially, what I'm saying is, like, you know, it's not just about making a good movie, but make your own movie. Like, have your stamp on it. Peter, what were you going to say? No, I... Well, no, I agree with uh, all of that. I I think that a good example of the whole weird, like, people wanting to complain because they want to feel like they can say something in the conversation, and I, I will use Damien Chazelle. Yes, it is a very funny joke, and it's a funny meme to say that Damien, Pichelle, Damien Chazelle uh, has Ryan Gosling, you know, he's the white man who saves jazz in La La Land. Yes, that is... That's very funny. And like, and of course, I absolutely think that, as Aaron would say, in the bigger picture of films about jazz and things, absolutely, I do think there should be more uh, diversity and stuff. But Damien Giselle, that person, that guy, didn't he go to like jazz school and everything? Like, that is that guy. Like, that's his experience. And I, of course, I want to see what his experience is. And that probably means, yes, casting someone like. But it's also, it's not like, it's not that, the movie is not about him saving jazz. Like, that's, that's the well, weird yeah, thing that's, about that's the thing that like, I find weird about it. It's like, that's, no, right, it's not that, even, like, I never even got that message from that movie. No, you're totally right, but that is the, op, that's the, that's the meme of it. It's like, ha sure, it's like, sure. like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's not really, and to, to the credit, I did think that when Ryan Gosling was on SNL, he and Emma Stone made a joke about that, which I was like, oh, that's funny. You know, like I but I do think you're it's so funny because even though I was earlier talking about my how I like I do like Tom Holland's Peter Parker and the MCU and everything. No, I would agree. Personally, I am always interested in any kind of art form, television, movies, whatever. If I feel that the person making that has their, you know, their stamp, their their point of view. But I will say that a lot of the people that I talk to that are more of the they'll read a summary and they feel like they don't like it. Those and I, I know I'm making a huge generalization, but the people that I've talked to like that, they don't really care about the artist thing. Like that, they don't care. Like they what of they care not. about is like they want to see the movie. They're hoping it's fun or action. The whole idea of like this person. This here's a, that's a whole other argument. Is that lately I've been hearing a lot of podcasts where people are kind of shutting down the idea of the auteur that we're giving, we're giving too much credit to the filmmaker because a lot of people work on a movie. And again, yes, there's some truth to that. Uh, who's Scorsese's editor? Thelma? Is that her? Thelma Schumacher. Yeah. But there's all, I mean, there's, it's not some, there's all truth to that. Every movie is a collaborative process. Well, so, right. Of course. So, right. But I just, I don't, eh. but yes, I, I, I would agree with you guys. That's kind of a personal thing that I really look for. Well, I, would, I did want to say one thing. I'm sorry, before Aaron jumps in. No, no, please. Abe, when you were talking about Siskel and Ebert, I also grew up with Siskel and Ebert. I do think there's a difference between I like Roger Ebert's reviews. I don't necessarily have to agree with him on every movie. Agreed. Fact, there's a lot of, of times where Ebert would be didn't he love wasn't knowing his number one movie of the year was? <laughs> it wasn't his number one, but he gave it four stars. Oh, okay. But that's, but you know what? I appreciate that. I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't see it, but that's awesome. I love that Ebert would do that. You know, like, so does that make sense? Like, I don't have to, critic doesn't always have to be in alignment with what I say. Right. If that makes sense. And I feel like a lot of people sometimes I talk to, yes, if the critic is like, they didn't like it and they liked it, and they're just like, well, this person's terrible. I'm like, well, no, that's not, 
you know. Anyways, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Good question, Justin. We I got into we a pretty good. A lot of yeah, well, we've covered a lot of territory on that one. All right, let's do some out now. Presents what's out now. Uh, these are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, streaming, and all that this week. Got a number of things here, so I'm going to go through them. Feel free to give a yay or nay as I go through. First up, I'm excited. Godzilla King of the Monsters comes to Blu-ray this week. I've already got my copy pre-ordered. I'm ready. I'm happy. Okay. All the all uh, the monster stuff is great. All the human stuff, not so great. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Chandler comes in hot, stays hot. <laughs> uh, wait, as a as a, I was just talking to somebody about the Godzilla, and wait, have we all seen it? Yeah. I know Aaron has. Had, Abe, have you seen it? I'm sorry, which one? The new Godzilla. Did you see it? Yeah, 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 yeah I did. So a, a guy I work with, uh, an editor, he was talking about how he thinks that the human things in these kind of movies, you can't really play them seriously. You have to play them in the way because it's so ridiculous. And he's like, the scene where Vera Farmiga gives her speech about the world, he's like, he literally got up and was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. This is terrible. And I was like, really? I was like, I... I'm like, I feel like the characters have to be serious about the situation. Yes, I might think it's a little silly as an audience member, but, mm-hmm. like, the actor has to play it that way. Yeah, it's not a spoof. I mean, you, See, you, Peter, you understand these things. And, I mean, that's, <laughs> and that's also, that's every Godzilla movie. They're not, like, there's not too much difference between any of these as far as you have scientists trying to deal with how do we get to Godzilla or how do we get to Brodan or what have well, you. Whatever. You don't think yeah. that I wanted to go to the bathroom when, you know, these mercenaries, eco-mercenaries, I, I should clarify, go in and kill all these scientists? I mean... I wouldn't want to go to the bathroom. I wouldn't want to go to the bathroom. I do, I do think that was a little extreme. Premise, but I'm not. Like if you want, I mean, if you want to talk about parts that I didn't, the, the least favorite parts of the movie, it is the part where they're like, we need to shoot all these people. <laughs> like <it's laughs> like, at the same time, their goal is to literally destroy the world. So it's like, they're going to die anyway. <laughs> like, I mean, they're doing it for the cow. I mean, I, look, I love, no, I, I liked Godzilla. I liked the first Godzilla and Skull Island more. But I still appreciate these movies. I think Aaron is a is is a way bigger fan than I am. But I, I don't need to I, think I, this. We know. We all know I, I, this. I, I, yeah, but I still enjoy them. I mean, I still like seeing them and everything. Like, so. well, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm not going above and beyond saying like this is the best movie ever made or whatnot. I didn't <laughs> give it a perfect score. I gave it an eight because it satisfied me on the level of what a Godzilla film should do. And frankly, I, I mean, I'm aware not everyone's going to like Godzilla movies the same way. Like, they're they're a distinct kind of film. <laughs> like, it's doing its own kind of thing. Uh-huh. Anyway, I would agree. P- Peter, give a yay or nay. We don't. We don't know everything else. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Godzilla. Oh, uh, yay. Yeah, yeah, sure. There yeah, you go. Okay, let's keep it simple. Secret Life of Pets two. Didn't, didn't see, see it. it. Didn't see it. Yeah, I never saw it. I didn't. Rocket Man. One. Heard it was good. I like Rocket Man. I thought Rocket Man was. I think Rocket Man was overhyped for me. It's better than Bohemian Rhapsody, but it's not the best thing ever. It's it's okay. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I didn't love it, but I mean, it, it, for one thing, it works as a movie. So I'm happy does, about that. And, and, and Taron, Edger, is that his name? Yeah, Edger, yeah, Edgerton, yeah. He sings, he dances, you know, it's a lot more of an action. Yeah, he performance. does the work. So yeah, I, I feel I feel bad that Rami Malek already, like, won the, like, the quota of Oscar winners for, you know, gay, gay musicians that sing. Yeah. Because it's like, this guy is way better. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco. One of my favorite movies of the year. Seen it. Yeah. See it. The Banana Splits movie. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I thought I heard the Banana Splits movie was something coming. It already was made? Yes, and it's out, and there you go. I don't it, know what this is. Is this a horror movie? It's a it's, horror movie, yeah. Has anybody seen it? No. Like, is it supposed to... Was it like a kid series first or something? It, was, it, it is. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it was like a children's... 
uh, variety hour type thing where they would show cartoons and stuff. Like, so I don't know what the movie is. I don't either. I don't I either. Know it's like, All right, moving I on. Know it's, yeah. Uh, v, the original miniseries. Uh, heard it was good. The old, uh, I, again, the old I was little, movie. I don't yeah. remember it that well, um, but yeah, it was all right. I'm sure. I mean, it's good so, enough to get a reboot in 20, 2009 oh, or something, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The Flash, season five. Go see uh, it. I'm all, I'm all about Supergirl. I don't really like The Flash, like, so that's where I stand on my CW superheroes. <laughs> Into the Badlands, season three. Uh, haven't seen it. Heard mixed good. Know, but, so I don't know it. Yeah. I watched that first season. The action's really cool in that. Okay. I, I never got into the other two, but I was like, well, they're doing their thing. You know, if they're going to make a sci-fi martial arts series, good on them. Yeah. Um, let's see. On Criterion this week, we have the Coker Trilogy and the Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice. Criterion fans. Uh, Stand By Me is on 4K now. And Get Apocalypse it. Now, the final cut is on 4K. That's one that you saw in theaters. I saw it in IMAX. It was fantastic. Yeah. And from what I've heard, the transfer, which is not surprising to me, is spectacular as well. There you go. Apocalypse Now, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies ever, but it's also just like, it's something you experience. You want to talk about practical effects? Yeah. Go yeah. see that movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, that's that's got a. I got the set for review. It's a six disc set. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, Netflix, we have American Factory. This is a documentary that's produced by the Obamas, I believe. Oh. And. Uh, it, it deals with a, I believe, like a Chinese machine factory that's in Pennsylvania, something like that, like somewhere like somewhere in like that kind of area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's supposed to be quite good as far as documentaries go. Um, on Prime, you have Mission Impossible Fallouts on Prime. Great movie. Yeah, that's a fantastic it's movie. One of, the, one of the best action movies of the decade. And uh, A Simple Favor is on Prime as well. Oh, good. Fun. Yeah. Well, good things about that. Good, good, uh, yeah, good. Not best thing, but yeah, yay. So that's out now. What's presents out now? Next week's show. Next week is the eighth annual summer gamble result show. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I lost. <laughs> Peter, don't be so down on yourself. I don't know, man. Like, I really, oof. Have I ever won? Oh, I did. I yes, you did win. Here. You won like two neither years ago. A, <laughs> neither Abe or I have won. So you have that over us, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> But, I will just say that anyone that picked Avengers, Lion King, Toy Story did not get last place. I'll put it that way. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Last thing we do here. What should people go and see now? What do you plan to see next? What should people see in theaters right now, Peter? Um, hmm. I, I mean, Hobbs and Saw is pretty fun. It really depends, I think, on what you're going for. Because I did like Ready or Not, but I feel like that's more of a matinee. Um. Yeah, I guess. Am I missing? I guess Hobbs and Shaw. Like that's just a fun. Like I'm, I'm kind of. I don't have a Peter, box. In this, in this couple hours, you've named one of the best movies on your top ten list already. Oh, you're talking about the farewell? <laughs> yeah. I guess I, oh no, no, farewell is great. I'm sorry. I just I, I always tend to think of like. like the, I guess you can go see Hobbs and Shaw, but one of the top ten movies of my. I mean, I would, yeah, I, I would encourage about ten million dollars worth of people to go see Hobbs and Shaw <laughs> by next weekend. So. I mean, <laughs> No, of course, The Farewell is better. Yes, I would say that. Yeah. What are you seeing next? Uh, actually, maybe uh, Brittany Runs a Marathon. That might be my next one. All right. Oh, and then screening-wise, oh. screening the next one I'm looking for is It, even though it's, I'm hearing mixed things. but I'm Chapter Deuce. Although you did not love the first one, as I recall. I did not I, like it either. 
Yeah, because it's because it's not a good movie. <laughs> the first Those the are... first five minutes are great, and then everything else is like this is just goosebumps. There's a lot of good stuff in it. I just Georgie don't like it overall. Thing, the Georgie thing's great. Yeah, that is yeah. really good. Georgie thing oh, yeah, is the part great. where it actually yeah. does horror and not just jump out at you. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was I expecting a, a, a seven year old's arm to get ripped off? No, and that's why it was no, great. No, it wasn't. But the and the dreads good build up to it. And then the rest of the movie never does anything as scary again. No, yeah, aside from like some scary guess, visuals in the background. Other than that, I, nothing really. I guess I liked it more than you get in the sense of I. I know you like it more. I know plenty I, of people. I liked it. it made like, made like six hundred million dollars. Like I know I'm aware people like the movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like um, but I mean it's a good cast, you know. I mean Bill Hader. There's there's plenty of great things about it. Like I just wish it delivered better. For me, it didn't. I. Well, I, so, I are you? Is it a going back to talking about Ebert? Would it be a, is it a thumbs down for you? Yeah, I gave it two out of five. Oh, it's yeah. a thumbs down for me. Yeah, that's a thumbs down. All right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what I didn't like. If you're curious about it, go read the Fukunaga script. And... I thought like, I thought about like, maybe I should rewatch this before I see chapter two. And then I'm like, no, it's two hours and 15 minutes. I don't know what happens. <laughs> like, I could, I could watch Zhang Yumao's Shadow instead. Like, why would I? What am I, I going to learn? Oh, that that Pennywise shot was actually creeper the second time. Like, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. I'll see the, let's see the second one. See what happens. Um, Abe, what should people say? Go and check out the farewell. <laughs> go and ch- go go give that movie some love. This episode love. is so long. I know. <laughs> the sun and guess was what? Up when we and, started, and guess sun, what? We're not editing we anything out. <laughs> the sun was up. Like, it was. It's down. It's completely dark in my room. <laughs> uh, go see the farewell next. Uh, I think I'm going to try and check out uh, Ready or Not. You guys said some good things about it, and it seems like it's a breezy movie. Yeah. Um, I would say before you see Ready or Not, go and see Blinded by the Light because it's great. Oh, I heard this great. Yeah, he, he loved yeah. it. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a little upset that it's not. I mean, I get it as far as. I can't believe audiences didn't race out to see this story about a Pakistani kid that loves Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> but at the same time, like, this could have been a real winner. I think people, like, missed their chance to, like, really support this movie. It could have been a real, like, sleeper oh, I mean... hit. Oh, sleeper hit. Okay. Yeah, like, you know, get that groundswell of, like, people are talking about this Blinded by the Light. I saw it. It's great. Like, oh, my God, you got to take all your friends. Like, that's how people talk. You did a really good general people audience voice. Yeah, that's, that's general people. That, that, that's John Smith in Main Street, USA, right there. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think Blinded by the Light is a really nice movie, and I, 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 I mean, that'd be a great double bill with The Farewell. Like, it's such a, like, nice human stories about people doing stuff. It's based, They're both based on reality to some degree. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's nice, and that's out now. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I mean, yeah, why would you not do that? Um, in fact, I, the IndieWire poll question this week is, what's your favorite movie this summer? And it, like, I, I really like, you know, I really like Godzilla, you know, I really like Last Black Man in San Francisco. But like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's like, this is kind of a perfect summer movie, too. Like, it's two guys hanging out in the summer in L.A. Like, that's fun. Like, that's, that's, that's a perfect yeah, summer true. movie. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, Pain and Glory... What, why did I write that down? Pain and Glory? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I mean... Oh, that's the new Almodovar film, which I am seeing this oh, week. Oh, okay. I was like, what? what I was like, what? uh, maybe... Are you writing just notes about yourself and your workout? <laughs> that's what it is. Pain and Glory. I was like, Pain and Game? Yeah. That's the new Almodovar film that stars Antonio Banderas, who's seemingly on his way to getting an Oscar nomination. That's that's what I'm seeing next oh, wow. um, this week. Um, and with all that said, that's going to do it for this extra-long catch-up episode about Now There and Abe. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. 
uh, including my review for Do the Right Thing on Criterion, uh, which is on Wise of Blue, but also popped up on my blog. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Our more friends up over at Abe.Moo on Instagram and Twitter.com slash Rollersmoose. Hashtag HA! <laughs> Peter Paris, where can people find more of you? Well, they can find my work, uh, well, there's only two articles right now, but at uh, Why So Blue. Yes, they can. And uh, let's see, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, which are much shorter, at iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. HHWD, SoundCloud, and Podomatic. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. There's, of course, our Instagram page as well, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Uh, and be sure to let us know how you can get Abe to the it <laughs> clowns only screaming at the Alamo Draft House. It's good. It's good. I have the dates here. Downtown LA, September 8th, clowns only screening. We need to get Abe to that showing. Oh my Do God. that. Let us know on outnotpodcast.tumblr.com, which should, ac- which should accompany all the scary clown gifts that you're already been sending to us over there. Scary clown gifts. Get Abe to the all clown screening. No time to clown around. Time to get Abe down to downtown LA for it chapter two. No rhyme. Okay. Um, Peter, thank you very thank much you, for Peter. putting up with this nonsense. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, I, I, always a pleasure to be on. Yeah, with the episode, I always expect the episode to go longer, and it sure did. And <laughs> that's going to do it for, for this week. So until next time, when we find out who won the eighth annual summer movie gamble, that's going to do it. So until then, so long. And goodbye. Later. Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, gonna find you and take it slowly, ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, gonna find you and make you want me. Now that I escape, sleep, walk away, those who correlate know the world they kick, jail bars ain't golden gates. Those who fake, they break When they meet their 400 pound mate If I could rule the world Everyone would have a gun in the ghetto Of course, we get the up and on their horse Kick around, drinking moonshine I pour a sip on the concrete For the deceased, but no, don't weep Why Clef's in a state of sleep Thinking about the robbery that I did last week Money in the bag, banker look like a drag I wanna play with Pelicans from here to Baghdad Gun blast, think fast, I think I'm hit My girl pinched my hips to see if I still exist I think not, I'll send a letter to my friends A born again hooligan, only to be king again Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide Gonna find you and take it slowly Ready or not, here I come Play my enemies like a game of chess where I rest. No stress if you don't smoke cess. Less, I must confess, my destiny's manifest. There's some cortex and sweats. I make tracks like I'm homeless. Rap orgies with Borgie and best. Capture your bounty like Elliot Ness. Yes, bless you if you represent the fool. But I hex you with some witches fool if you do. This is Vin Diesel doing one word lines before he became Groot. Wait, he's in it too? Oh yes. my god, Peter! <laughs> we need to move on. Wow. <laughs> Peter. I like when yeah, Peter yeah. sounds like Brendan Fraser in Blast from the Past, also celebrating his 20th anniversary this year.